here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is a guy, let me tell you something. People aren't going to like this. People like Jason Felix. Other people who didn't like it, uh, the match, or didn't like his antics. I think they got plans for this guy. I think they know what they have in this guy. I don't think that they would have brought him in and... and Jumps are rare in Japan. You don't see guys jumping promotions as frequently as you do in the United States back when there were promotions to jump to. You don't see much anymore. There's nowhere for anybody to go. But you know what I mean. It's not as frequent in Japan. I think they've got plans for this guy. Um, I think it'll be a slow burn. I think he'll slowly move. Let me tell you something. This guy, for people who don't know a lot about Kenny Omega, trust me, if you've ever trusted my opinion before, he is fully capable of producing what you saw Kota Ibushi produce against Nakamura that night. Do not sleep on this guy. Even if you hate this character, do not sleep. This guy is an elite worker. Elite. Elite. Not good, not great. This guy's elite. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast. With your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Voice of Wrestling Podcast. I am Joe Lanza. Rich Crage is here. And we started off the show... A little bit different this week. That what you heard in the opening was a clip from our January 7th, 2015 show, just days after, I guess that was Wrestle Kingdom 9, correct, Rich? Uh, yes, yeah, that would be 9. So it was a couple days after Wrestle right? Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 9, because this year was, was Wrestle Kingdom 10. And we've got a second clip to play for you, and, we're, and this one is from the April 10th, 2015 show, and here is that clip. He didn't come to this company to be a junior. Right. And that, that, that was very evident, too, that this was like, okay, look, they, they, he knows what he's worth. New Japan knows what he's oh, worth. Yeah. And oh, everybody's yeah. getting on board now. And it's, it, it's very, very cool to see. Don't, don't, it, don't forget. Don't forget, people. Don't forget. Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi had a singles match that outdrew any non-Tokyo Dome match and any non-G1 you know G1 match that anybody in New Japan has ever in this era of New Japan has drawn. They know right, they put eleven thousand in, in boot. They so. they know what they were getting in Kenny Omega. They weren't getting a mid card junior. He didn't come here to be a junior. They didn't bring him in here to be a junior. They didn't bring Kenny Omega in here to be just another guy. I said this when they signed him. You said this when they signed him. He had those uh, very shaky matches. He, he he overdid it with the character work. We were the first ones to admit it. I told people to be patient though, because if if if, if he toned down the act. It would all work out. And it appears that he has toned down the act. 
There was none of the nonsense against Dorada. None of that. They just wrestled a great match. Like we knew they would be capable of doing. And let me tell you something. You said it on Twitter. Say it here. I don't even think it's controversial. I really don't. And I, I don't think pe- smart people think it's controversial either. Kenny Omega is going to be a huge star with New Japan. A huge heavyweight star. In the mix. In the mix. Here's another name. And again, this stupid, weird, unfair, crazy, lack of basis narrative, which I don't understand. That this company desperately needs new... This company is loaded with potential stars. This company just elevated two new stars. This company has five legitimate drawing stars. No other company can say that. I'm not going to do that all again. And here's another option that they have that they can flip the switch on at any time. And this is a switch that they're going to flip. Yeah. We don't know if they're going to flip that Shibata switch. We don't know if, if they're going to flip that Hanma switch. To eat. We don't know. This switch is getting flipped. And this is the start of it. This guy didn't come here to be a junior. They didn't bring him in here to be a junior. This guy, they brought him in here to be a star. He came here to be a star. He's another guy where he basically conceded it was now or never with his career. And, you know, he was never going to go back to WWE. It left a bad taste in his mouth. This is it for him. He likes Japan. He likes living there half the time. He went to New Japan for a reason. He could have stayed in DDT. He was office in DDT. He was a top star in DDT. Making probably very decent money in DDT. Very livable. But to make the big money in Japan, he knew where he had to go. He's there. He went there to be a top star. He didn't go there to be a junior fucking around doing chainsaws to Ryuchi Taguchi's head. That's not why he went there. Okay? That's how they got him in the door. But this guy, from day one, from day one, they had plans and intents on making him a top guy. And that's why he came there. And he's going to be a top guy. Mark my words. Kenny Omega is going to be a top guy, and he's going to draw money in New Japan. And a lot of people aren't going to want to hear that because they're like Omega. But the fact of the matter is, and they don't like the way his run started, but that's clearly where this is going. And we told you how he signed. This guy's going to be a legitimate top star in that company. And you're absolutely right. We're going to look back at this show as the jump point to that. Yeah. He's supremely talented. He can go bell to bell. When he's at the top of his game, he's he's top ten in the world. I, I Top ten in the world when he's on top of his game and he's not being a goofball. He's top ten in the world. I've seen it. Go back and watch the tapes. Go back and watch the, the KO and D title matches he's had over the years with you know Abushi, uh, the Generico, whoever it is. Go back and watch the All Japan Junior uh, title run that he had. And th- those string of matches that he had in 2011. And you tell me that this guy's a not top ten worker in the world. And, and he's a proven draw. And New Japan's not stupid. All right. And as you can tell, it's going to be a uh, very Kenny Omega heavy episode here of the Voices of Wrestling podcast. That clip, uh, as Joe mentioned, uh, April 10th, 2015. So five days or so after Invasion Attack 2015, which seems like decades ago. But, uh, yeah, it, it came to pass <laughs> finally for us. And uh, we want to do, yeah, we want to start the show a little bit different than we usually do because we had remembered uh, that, you know, we were very heavy into this Kenny Omega thing almost, you know, two years ago at this point. We're like, this guy, you know, he didn't leave DDT for nothing. This guy didn't do, you know, we were big on this. Like, just you got to wait it out with this guy. It's, it's going to be weird. It might not like it. There's going to be people that are, are I just aren't going to get it. And it, it, it's going to come to pass, though. They see something in the guy. He's a talent. Something's going to happen here. And you know what, Joe? <laughs> Last weekend it happened. 
He was slumming it up with juniors. He knew he was slumming up with it ju- with juniors. <laughs> Sticking poles up to Gucci's butt and stuff. It was it was it was bad. It got low there for a while, but there, there are plenty of times where he was very cringe. But you know, he knew he was just biding his time, and I, I think that he knew this day was coming. I think that uh, very clearly, me and you knew this day was coming. And we saw the beginnings of it in January. And I just wanted to quickly thank uh, Chris. His Twitter handle is at We're Still Soup, is his uh, Twitter handle, W E R E uh, Still Soup, for pulling those sound clips for us. He's also the same guy who pulled the sound clips in our normal intro. Right. So he's basically just a god among men. Yeah. Any, anything, because we're idiots and like, I have every episode, but God, like people have said, oh, you got to go back and listen. There was this one time where you and Joe, and I'm like, I'm, I don't want to listen. I don't like doing this thing when we do it, let alone going back and listening for another three hours. Like, I've done it a few times to listen to some of our old shows, but man, I am not. So, hey, he is, he is a godsend because he has put together a bunch of clips for us throughout our history uh, of the show, which is incredible. I can't, like, that, that almost is. It's kind of humbling to know that people like listen to that. Like, I, obviously, we have tons of listeners and all that sort of stuff, but that people take the time, like Chris, to go in and grab clips and like save them. And like, you know what I mean? Like, isn't that kind of like it's it, it's really cool, but it's sort of humbling in a way where it's just like, wow, geez, like we're just idiots talking. It's just you and I talking. Like, why? What? It's funny because I spent several hours a couple days ago combing through our shows looking for these clips, and I threw my hands. I gave up, and then I just put it out there uh, publicly. And it wasn't just Chris. Mm-hmm. We also had a listener, Heather. Yes, Heather. Who who dug up one of those two clips, and then Chris found the other, and then he um, you know cut them up and sent them to us, uh, so we had nice clean versions of them. But uh, it's a, we can't even find our own clips. But then because <laughs> right. you're on Twitter, okay. So it was January, I think that we were, t- and then you got to listen for three hours, and then you can't find it, and then you're just like, because you listen to one show to try to find something, you don't find it, you're done. You're never gonna listen to another, especially if, if it was anything from a show post the Joe Gagne timestamps. You can forget about it. At least, oh God, yeah. <laughs> at least some of the shows that have the old Joe Gagne timestamps, you can get in the right neighborhood and maybe find something. I couldn't find anything. I listen to all sorts of shows. Heather and Chris, boom. Literally 15 minutes later, they had everything we needed. So, you know, great job out of them. Excellent job. They both listen every week. Uh, so we appreciate them doing the work for us and digging up those, those clips. Chris, I mean, when he's not digging up our clips and saving our clips, he's sitting in a closet watching Dragon Gate. Okay? This guy's a good fan. He's a good wrestling fan. So uh, nice job out of both of them. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, we got plenty to talk t- uh, about today. Of course, we got the G1 Climax, the finals, the final few days. We're going to talk about all that, review the final show, discuss you know where people are after the G1, where they're going from here, all of the good stuff. We also have a loaded SummerSlam weekend, just an absolutely loaded one. We talked a little bit about it last week, but we're going to go a little more intensive with each one of the shows, preview it, give our predictions, do that sort of stuff. Um, I did want to tell you, though, that this episode of Voice of Wrestling is sponsored by Lyft. And Joe, we talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, if anybody is interested in driving for Lyft, we are your place to go because we have an s- exclusive bonus that Lyft gave us for Voice of Wrestling listeners, a $500 bonus if you sign up using our show. So you go to lyft.com slash bonus, you pick Voice of Wrestling, 
from the little drop-down menu and sign up. You drive, and you get a $500 bonus, and it's a great way to drive. It's a great way to make some extra money on the side. You get $35 per hour, roughly. It's super flexible. You ride on your time when you want to do it. If you want to do it after work, before work, on the weekends, only Sundays. It doesn't matter. Whenever you want to make money, you can make money. You just tell the app, I, you know, I'm ready to go, and it has you ready to go. And it's, it, it's fast. It's easy. Uh, you can deposit your money or, or, or you know, take it out whenever you'd like, which is another huge benefit to Uber. Makes you wait a week. Makes you wait two weeks to get your money out. If you need that 30 bucks right now, Joe, you, you just did a bit. You, you, you drove somebody all around the, the college station, Texas, and you go, you know what? I need this $45 right now. You can take it right now. You just click, to, you know, withdraw, and you get your 45 bucks, and it's done, and you're good to go. So, yeah, definitely a, a good aspect. But, uh, yeah, lift.com slash bonus. That's L-Y-F-T dot com slash bonus. You select our show, Voices of Wrestling, from that little drop-down menu. You sign up, you drive, and you get a $500 bonus. $500. Just you have it. You take it. $500. That's not bad. That's unbelievable. That was the easiest ad read I've ever done. There it is. I didn't have to do anything. No, you're good. Anything to add, Joe, about your Lyft experience? No. Lyft is fantastic. Oh, I do have an update. 500. I do have an update. Okay, so I went to, downtown, I went to Indianapolis last weekend, and um, first off, my dad is, like, fascinated by Lyft. Like, the whole idea of, like, doing it on it, like, he couldn't believe it. And he's a dispatcher. Like, he's a trucking dispatcher. First off, he said, oh, my God, this is going to take my job. And I said, yeah, probably, but he's, like, 64, so it's fine. But two, he was just, like, dumbfounded. Like, you could follow the car. Like, he was just enthralled. Like, we had to go everywhere. He wanted to go everywhere. He wanted to see you do it. And uh, we actually, we had another driver, and I was actually just amazed again the, the driver that we had this time you know the first time i said i had a, a you know a, a nurse a home nurse the second time i had somebody who did insurance and they you know did it when they're on their way home from work or whatever this guy is going to school he, he does this on the side but he goes to full-time school to become a welder and i was like all right and he's like hey i need some extra money on the side you know kids aren't free so i do this and it's like all right cool so everybody that i've talked to everybody i've said has had other stuff they're doing other things this is just a way to make their you know extra income but i've talked to them and they've said and he said hey when school's off i do this full time and you know i make money and it's great when school goes on i don't do it i you know i i do it at night i do it on the weekends i do it whenever i can cuz school's you know taken up but you can do it on your time and that's the thing that i found with each one of these people that i've ridden with is that they have other things going on but they still have time to make that extra money make that 30 five bucks an hour and if they go to lift.com slash bonus that's lyft.com slash bonus and use voice of wrestling they get a 500 dollars bonus and you get a 500 dollars bonus and you help us and we help you and everybody's happy and fun and joyful and i got nothing left to add rich that there was tremendous they might they might hire you <laughs> they can just buy more ad time if they want that's fine too but no i i really do i i've actually really enjoyed you know, using Lyft over the past few weeks and stuff. And I, I really, everything I've heard from the drivers say that they just love it uh, far more than uh, Uber as well, which is not a slight on Uber, but they've just said that, you know, one-to-one, they, they prefer, you know, driving for Lyft. And, and you could prefer driving for Lyft, too, if you do it. So uh, let's get to the show here. Joe, I think we got to start G1, right? Absolutely. All right. And now what we're, what we're going to do, and we've made a conscious effort about this, and we talk about this all the time, is we always burn ourselves out because we talk about, like, the opener. Like, we, we would right now say, okay, Jushin Liger and Tiger Mask versus Finley. No, no, no. We're going to go to the finals of the G1. Then we're going to kind of work our way because I do want to talk about the shows a little bit prior to the finals as well. Of course, you had uh, Tanahashi Okada. You had o- Omega Naito and two just of the most incredible matches I've seen maybe in my entire life. And they happened with, you know, a span of a week or whatever. Uh, but I do want to talk about the finals and kind of the macro Kenny Omega thing right now before we get into specific matches. But I, I, I pose this question to you and I pose it to a few people that I, I, I've talked to sort of uh, on our forums, voicewrestling.com slash forums and on Twitter. 
did Kenny Omega have like the best weekend of any wrestler ever? When you have like, it's listen. When you have like, think of where he started. Like, it, not only just Matt. Like, think of where he started this weekend and where he ended this weekend. I, I mean, when you have two matches of that caliber, when you have two matches that, um, highly visible and highly respected match reviewers are throwing five stars at. Okay. Um, he, it's definitely in the conversation. I, you know, um, I, I think that Will Ospreay's weekend earlier this year uh, may have done more to establish Will Ospreay as a major star than this weekend did for Kenny Omega to establish. Because remember, Kenny Omega had everything in January, too. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, and it wasn't his fault that Hiroshi Tanahashi got hurt and derailed that feud, which would have really bridged that gap nicely and continued his momentum right into the G1. But he lost a little bit of momentum because Tanahashi was injured. Which Right, and we, we talked about that on the show as well, that like everybody's kind of thinking, oh, this guy burying him dead or whatever, but thinking that the, the, the gap was going to be a feud with Tanahashi. It ended up being a very good match against Elgin, but that's a whole different animal if it's him defeating Tanahashi. You know what I mean? Like That's a big difference, and that didn't happen, and that kind of left this weird gap where people... Wondered, okay, is this guy done? What's going on? What's the future of him? You know, we do forget that it, it was only like a few months, but there was that gap, and it, 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 it was a big gap. But maybe we all overreacted a little bit too much to that gap. Oh, absolutely, and it doesn't get any bigger than working a program with Tanahashi, and he had right. that taken away from him. Now, New Japan may have inadvertently stumbled into some good luck there because I think that helped Elgin a lot, getting in the Intercontinental Title mix and all that, to where. You can really see that where Elgin is now is sort of on that. He's, he's on the bench, right? We always talk about that, sort of like this depth chart of draws. Like Elgin is on the bench now where you know he would be one of the next guys in line to get elevated. So I think New Japan may have gotten lucky in that respect. But to answer your original question, I mean, geez, in terms of match quality, in terms of now this really solidifying him as a tippy-top guy in the company. And remember now, remember now, Rich. Second of the three nights at Sumo Hall, he made events against Naito, and they hold against last year's show, which was, I'm trying to think, it was Okada and Nakamura. Right. Okay? They, I think there was like, what, a, a 70 fan difference, something negligible that doesn't really matter. But they, they, that show held serve against an Okada-Nakamura match from last year, which was the Saturday night match from the year before, which goes to show you and goes to what we've been telling you and what we sort of alluded to in those clips we played earlier, Kenny Omega was an established draw in Japan, in particular in Tokyo, before he ever stepped foot mm-hmm. in New Japan full time. And this is sort of the proof. And we know that Naito is a confirmed draw. And uh, no matter how stubborn Dave Meltzer, I don't know why he's actually he came around this week in this newsletter. I don't know if he right. finally did. Yes, this newsletter he did finally come around. Naito, Naito. <laughs> which is, which is which great because Naito's been drawing yeah. all year long and, and, and has been the number one merch seller in the company. It's very clearly a legitimate draw at this point. But Omega and Naito, to be able to match, match Okada and Nakamura, uh, to me, is, 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 is very, very impressive. And then, of course, um, you know, the, his, his performance in the finals against Goto and his, his promo and then his promo to the press following. I mean, all of it just screamed massive superstar. I mean, there's no other way to say it. 
Yeah, I, I think what, when I said the best weekend, and I know there are people that are going to come up with other things, and I think there are there are in ring wise WrestleMania weekends that certain guys have had. You mentioned Will Ospreay this past year that have been better, but when you think of a, of a trajectory of a guy and where they were on the beginning of the weekend and where they ended at the end of the weekend, or however whatever like timeline you want to use, I mean, almost within two days, this guy became. You know, we knew that he was sort of rising up through the ranks a little bit. But, I mean, last week on the show, we had talked about, like, yeah, you know, he could maybe make it to the finals or whatever. I said, hey, you know, I, I predicted he would make it to the finals. I thought that would be a cool story or whatever. But now we're, like, everyone's scrambling and going nuts. And, oh, my God, like, this guy, he's it. He's he's the man. He's, he's oh, you know, like, it, like, I've never seen a weekend like that where just everybody's opinion on a guy. And it's almost, every, like you said, almost to a man, every single person has, has changed it's something they're, they're 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 rewired with Kenny Omega. It's like, oh my god, like this guy's ready to go. Like, there's so much has just happened in a span of of just one weekend. He's had two incredible matches back to you know you know back to back, and then turns it into just this. I I, I don't know. It's just like he's he's there, and it's like in one weekend, a guy was basically. It made like you know like and it's, I don't think it's that crazy to say that like he, he there was building blocks here and there but this jump this meteoric rise in one weekend it's just like anything it, I I've never seen anything like that you know I alluded to it a little bit in my review of the match against Goto but I think he set everybody up uh, he set all of us up for this if you remember when he came out on night two of the G1 for his first G1 match. He comes down to the ring, he does his ring walk, he gets into the ring, and you know how he always you know, has a wise-ass remark for the camera before the other guy is introduced? It's sort of become his trademark. He turned to the camera that night, Rich, and he said, I hate this stupid tour, and I hate this stupid tournament. And it was sort of like he was hammering home this malaise that he had been going through over the last several months and, and, and continuing to plant those seeds that just maybe he was thinking about having one foot out the door and just, and maybe he was more focused on hanging out with his buddies in the new day or, or working a program with them or whatever the case may be, which if you've noticed, all of that has stopped. Okay. He's not wearing new day t-shirts to the ring and, 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 and doing that. I think he set us up for this. I think Kenny Omega lulled everybody to sleep knowing, you know, the booking plan for himself and then went out there and just killed it. Uh, you know, on this final weekend and, and, and established himself as a top guy. This is why I refer to him as this brilliant, beautiful enigma. You cannot figure this man out. And I think it, and not everything lands. Let me be clear. Not everything lands with this guy. He's very experimental. He has some very wacky ideas and some of them fall completely flat. And we've not been shy about pointing those out, but Man, when it lands with this guy and, he, and he's willing to take chances and do things differently, and I think it's sort of like this. I hate to go to this comparison point because it's so cliche and it's so chalk to go to this, but it's really the, the best comparison I come up with. You know, People talked about broken Matt Hardy and that nonsense, which I mean lasted two weeks before nobody cared. It's like this guy is the modern-day Brian Pillman. You really have no idea what direction he's going to take things. 
and and now not in the same way that Pillman was. Pillman was a completely uh, different kind of crazy, a different kind of enigma. But this guy is just – I think he's brilliant. I think he's calculated and I think everything he does from the gear he wears in his matches right on up to how hard he decides to work and whether he decides to play it serious or, or play it for comedy or when he's fucking around with his pals from the elite, uh, you know, it, it's, I believe it's all calculated and it's all part of his plan. There's so much to unpack with a normal Kenny Omega match, which is that's what I love about him, too, is that there's different wrinkles that everybody kind of different people pick up on different things. Like this weekend, one of the big themes is, you know, especially in that G1 final match was in Ode to Kotobushi. You know, he does the, 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 the Thunderbomb. He does the Phoenix Splash or whatever. And the, the English commentary was very, you know, they right out in the open said, oh, my God, Kotobushi, Kotobushi. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well, that they were very, you know, quick to say, oh, my God, that's, that's an Ode to Kotobushi. They used to be friends and now they're not as close, but maybe they will be. Like I thought that was kind of cool, but he also does things throughout his career where he's he's had and I think Andrew Rich wrote an article uh, for us in I believe it was January or February discussing kind of the rise of Kenny Omega. One of the things he brought up and 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 Omega actually read it and confirmed some of the things as well is you have this really cool idea. And Joe, did you ever play the Mega Man games? Oh yeah, all of them. Love them. Okay, so like, and Omega's got this cool little thing where he like steals guys like, and he did that with the Styles Clash too. We saw that on the finals, and we've seen that in multiple times as well. Where when he faces a guy, he you know he beats them and then he steals their finish, and that's straight out of it. And I know for a fact that Kenny Omega is using that because of Mega Man. You know what I mean? And he's confirmed that that is a thing that he does because, and that's cool. Like that's awesome. That's a little nugget that that you grab. It's kind of nerdy. Maybe not everybody picks up on it. Maybe everybody kind of interprets it a different way. I interpret it as a Mega Man thing. Maybe you interpret it as well. He defeated the guy, so he took it. Like there's little cool wrinkles like that. You know, his his persona is it, it's got a little bit of Final Fantasy in it. Like you know, his theme music is very similar to a Final Fantasy boss or whatever. Like there's just a lot of really cool stuff. Like everything that he does, and I think that's the thing that I've always admired about him. Since, you know, he, he went to DDT and since he kind of, in, in my mind, got his career pretty serious because his Ring of Honor run was pretty terrible. <laughs> like, I, I went to multiple shows during his Ring of Honor run. I was like, this guy's just the worst. But even then, you could tell that he was thinking about what he was going to do when he was trying to be a higher level worker in some ways. But really, since he went to DDT and then since then, like, everything that he does and the reason why I love watching his matches is that you know nothing is worthless in what he does. Everything that he does has a purpose. He's thinking about it. He's not just doing it to do it. He's doing it because it means something to a larger story. It means something to a larger narrative that he's trying to tell or whatever. And that I love. That like you can and and, and people can get different narratives out of it too, which I love as well. Like some people might not pick up on on X, but might pick up on Y, or maybe you pick up on everything or whatever. But there's just so much going on in his matches that there's just so much more than just simply matches. Like I've watched now the Night Omega match and the and the night and, and the Omega Goto match like two times each and i'm planning on watching him a lot more and each time i pick up a different thing a different thing that he does and i go oh man that's great like that's just a little thing that he does oh that really like that really adds to it and like he's so good at just everything that he does you know he's thinking you know he's planning it nothing is worthless and i love that yeah i agree it's like i said i think everything this guy does is is calculated i really do and the video game stuff, like you alluded to, stealing the finishers, that fits perfectly into the context of wrestling, whether you've ever played a video game in your life or not. Because you see this guy in the final uh, drawing from all of the men that he's defeated, whether it was AJ Styles, whether it was using Devitt's Bloody Sunday, which was also very symbolic. Uh, Ko- oh, right, yeah, yeah, of course. Kodobushi stuff. Ever since he beat Nakamura, he's been doing his version of the Bomaye. He calls it something else, and you know I'm terrible with the names of the moves, but he does the, the running knee. He's won matches with it. Uh, you know, so 
also he's taken from Nakamura, he's taken from Styles, he's taken from Devitt. And the Ibushi stuff was not just an ode to Kota Ibushi, uh, not just a nod to his pal Kota Ibushi. There is no question that this was <laughs> planned and there's something going on in his brain. And then, you know, you see the comments from Kota Ibushi days later where Kota Ibushi is very hesitant to sign a WWE deal. He would prefer to be a part-time guy. And then he flat out says, I have some things I need to do in Japan. I have some bookings over there and I have unfinished business in Japan. Something's cooking here. Does New Japan have Kota Ibushi booked for the second some point second half of the year? Do they have him booked for one four? I don't know. All I know is, you know, I, I think the odds are very good that these guys are going to wrestle again. Either that, or again, even if it's just a brilliant tease with both men in on it, it has people mm-hmm. talking. This was a guy, okay, who, like you said, coming into the weekend, all the talk surrounding him was whether he was going to be with the company and whether he was going to be in Orlando in a couple of months. And in 48 hours, he won the G1. He became one of the top stars in the company and the world and changed the entire conversation surrounding him to is he going to wrestle a man who doesn't even work for his company? <laughs> this guy's brilliant. And, and, and you know what? It kind of helps that both of his matches were potentially five-star matches. That doesn't hurt either when you turn the guy's matches on and the matches are awesome. Let's talk. Let, let's go a little bit out of order. I want to talk about the Naito match first. And, of course, we're going to bounce around here a little bit, and then we're going to do a, a, an extensive review of the final show. But I, we, we, can't, we can't ignore this Kenny Omega thing. It's, it's, we've got to talk about it. So I want to first talk about the Naito match. And what was your reaction when that match was over? Were you like everybody else and said – Oh my God, this is awesome. Or did it take a little while for you to kind of go? Like, cause I, I, you know, I watched it a few days late. Uh, I was, I was out of town this weekend. So I had seen all the hype or whatever. And I went into it going, ah, oh, man, like it's one of those where I've just three days. I've heard people go, Oh my God, this is incredible. Oh my God, you're going to love it. You know, people are saying, this is your match. You were going to love this match. I had Chad Campbell, one of our good friends on, on, on Twitter saying, this is your match, Rich. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And anytime anybody says that, I'm like, ah, don't say that. Cause now I'm going to watch it and I'm not going to like it. And it's not going to really, and and that was over. I was watch. I watched it in a car on my phone, and I went. I just looked up, and I went, "Oh my!" Like that was just one of the best matches I have ever seen in my entire life. Did you get that feeling right away when it was over? Yeah, I mean, while I was watching the match, it, it was one of those matches where it became apparent about halfway through, where you just say to yourself, "Oh my God, this is special. This is something different. Yeah. This isn't just a great match. What we're watching here is something special." And, you know, what was, what was so great about his two matches, too, and it was that a lot of people felt, like, let's not forget, a night earlier, the two, the greatest in-ring rivalry of this generation had a five-star match, and he had... Oh, did they? And, <laughs> I forgot, yeah. And he had to follow it, okay? So, so... Oh, <laughs> we haven't even talked about Okada Tana. So Omega... <laughs> so Omega Naito have to go out there and follow that fucking thing, which people are, you know, I, which... Before the Omega matches, the talk was, holy shit, there's going to be a million people that have two Okada Tanahashi matches. They're one and two, number one and number two matches of the year. I mean, they potentially had two five-star matches in one year. They got to follow that. Not only do they follow that, they follow it. They they pass that test, no problem. Then he has to follow his own match and the Tanahashi-Okada match against Goto, who a bunch of people have no faith in. Okay? Uh, And he's got to follow it again. And then he – seamlessly follows those two matches with the Goto match. I mean, shit, how good is this guy? And Rich, it's no surprise to us. 
We, that's the reason we played the clips. Okay? We knew this guy had the potential to be – we knew he had it in him to be one of the ten best wrestlers in the world because when he wants to be, he is. When he chooses to be, he is. Okay? I had – listen, I, I was on record and people called me nuts. I said there's no reason he can't replace AJ Styles both from a business perspective and in the ring. And people laughed at me. When he's at his best, he's just as good as AJ Styles. I really believe that. I think we saw that this past weekend. So, yeah, well, I'm watching this Naito match, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is not just a great match. This match, what I'm watching right now is something special. So I'm right with you. Yeah, and I, I thought there was just the, the flow of the match, too, was just something special as well because it started off you know a little slow or whatever, which is fine. You, you don't want matches to go crazy. And then it just reached a, a, an apex when I think it was Omega doing that flip to the outside, the, 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 to Omega or to, to, to Naito onto the table and all that sort of stuff. All that stuff happening on the outside, then it just ramped up, and it never, ever, ever slowed down after that into just this, this next-level match that just I, – I knew the result. I'm sitting there, and I know the result, but it's that thing where even on those near falls – Every single move, everything that happens, you're jump, you're okay. What is this going to be it? Is this the end? Or oh, that's got to be it. And there was even parts where I'm like, all right, no, 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 he's not going to win here. And it was just like the 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 spirit of Omega too. And that what was great too was seeing the crowd shift their allegiance. Like everybody likes Naito and they want Naito to win and all that sort of stuff, which is is good. That's what you know we went in the match. Like, and then we get to a point where about halfway through. They're starting to go, okay, this Omega guy's kind of cool. We like this guy. He does that dive to the outside. He does some other stuff. People are kind of into it. And then he starts kicking out and showing that spirit and, and, and showing his, 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 kind of doing the baby face fire up too. And he, he was playing it up a little bit as well. I mean, that guy wasn't playing much of a heel at the end of this match, which is fine. I don't want that. I don't care. It's not that big of a deal. I don't need a strict heel face dynamic or whatever. But you can see it. That crowd, you know, basically halfway through until the rest of the match, they are going, okay, this guy's fucking awesome. We want him to win. And then it just reaches a fever pitch because the crowd doesn't stop the rest of the match they're going nuts for every single thing and they're on the edge of their seat and the the, the commentary was great too with it with um with kelly and uh romero and carino i don't know if you listen to that or you listen to the japanese commentary but i try to listen to both the english guys did a great job too because you can just see them also and, and romero i thought was the best because he's just screaming like he can't he doesn't know what the hell's going on he can't believe it he's just shot like the, the 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 tone of the match was just something i have never you know, it, and we'd seen it a few days prior with Okada Tanahashi with that same sort of fever pitch or whatever. But this, I don't know what was about this match, this Naito Omega one, but this crowd was just, I've never, I, I it, rarely do you feel that sort of emotion coming through with the crowd, coming through with the wrestlers in the ring and coming through the commentary, all in perfect unison. Like everybody was all in and just going nuts and couldn't believe what was going on in front of their eyes. It's, it, was, it was crazy. It's because you have Kenny Omega and Tetsuya Naito, who are two of the most charismatic guys in the business right now, two guys who work to their character, maybe better than anybody in wrestling right now. Two guys who know how to get over with crowd. And you know, you mentioned uh, Omega turning the crowd. That sort of bled into his match with Goto. Because in the beginning of the Goto match, they were firmly behind Omega. And that fucker turned the crowd on him and had people getting behind Goto. Yeah. Which, again, you got to give credit to Goto too. Okay? But by the end of that match... They were back. They were behind Goto, so he he managed to turn the crowd in that match too. So he turned the crowd two nights in a row. And how good is this guy? Okay, this guy's something else. And I think you nailed it. The key spot in the Naito match was that flip dive, was the uh, springboard dive off the middle off off the top ropes over the railing, uh, through the table on Naito where he almost missed him completely. Yeah, <laughs> he almost killed himself. But very dangerous looking bump. I think that was the key spot in the match. And then uh, Naito worked the leg, and then 
the next level psychology of carrying that leg work, that, that leg damage over into the Goto match. So again, another feather in Omega's cap, uh, carrying that story over into the next night. And oh, by the way, he did all of this with a hole in his back the entire weekend when he sliced himself open uh, earlier in the week. I forget what match it was. And he had that half, you know, a half ass ba- that bandage that kept coming off. Oh, the bandage came off in like three minutes. <laughs> it's like, that's not and the guy's work, working buddy. these matches with a giant hole in his back. I'm sitting here worried about him getting a staph infection. OK, and I think someone it might have been Rue Gunn. I forget who made this great comparison, but they were like, uh, it's almost like someone ripped the wing out of his back because that's right where like the scar was. So he, even, okay, yeah, even yeah. that ended up being symbolic. This guy with the one winged angel. I mean, he did it on purpose. Everything is meaning, Joe. He, <laughs> it's like, it's like his purpose. wing got ripped out of his back. But yeah, the Naito match was special, man. It was just I, I would not be shocked at all if that finishes top five match of the year. I wouldn't be shocked if it wins match of the year. And for it is your match of the year currently. Right now it is, yeah, and it's. I, I do rewatches before. It's going to be one two. I think. I, I don't see anything passing it. So you gave it. That, that means two. you gave it five stars because. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, I, I think right now my one two would probably be the Wrestle Kingdom, Okada, Tanahashi, and then this match would, would be one two. I don't know where they're going to finish, but right now this guy's the leader. I mean, this just just. I, I was I was done with it, and it's one of those things where I immediately went. You know what? I'm going to watch that again. Like that. Like you know what I mean? Like that doesn't happen that often with wrestling for me anymore. Where I'm at that point where you know i watch a lot of this stuff as it, it kind of feels like a job watching a lot of wrestling but that was one where i said you know what yep i'm gonna watch it again and i went back and i watched it again picked up new stuff and enjoyed it as much the second time as i did the first time just just next level stuff all throughout that match it was just incredible and then he goes out there against goto everyone's ex- everyone's pretty much just hoping for a really good match and then they go out there and fucking kill it too I mean, and then you've got people throwing five stars at that match, too. All three main events, three nights in a row, you got different people throwing five stars at him. How great was that? Now, the thing with the Goto match, and we talked about a little bit earlier where he ran through and did everybody, the finishers, all these, the, the finishers of all these New Japan ghosts, right? All these guys who aren't in New Japan anymore, and, and he's doing all their finishes. But what I liked about it was none of those moves were good enough, and it was his move. It was the one-winged angel. Mm-hmm. It was Kenny Omega's move that he needed to put this guy away. None of those other moves got the job done. It was his own. Okay? He very easily he missed the Phoenix Splash. The last ride didn't put him away. The Styles Clash only got a two count. Uh, none of those worked. It's the one-winged angel that put Goto away. And and he kicked out of the show in Kai as well. You know that that I thought was a really symbolic thing too. I mean, of course we see you know kick out finishers all the time. But again, like you said, that he hit all those moves or or attempted all those moves, and that didn't do it. Goto's move didn't do it, but his move that one weekend, like right now, like at the end again, I talk about a meteoric rise. Like at the end of that weekend, what move? I mean, think of a move that's more. Over a bigger move in wrestling right now than that one winged angel. You know what I mean? It's one of them. And That's I'm, and killed guys. That's killed guys this weekend. Like it's done so much. That one move. He's tried everything else in the book and nothing else worked. That worked. And I'm, every time. And I'm, that worked. I'm glad you brought out the shout and Kai kick out because that doesn't get kicked out of very frequently at all. If you no. think about it, he doesn't even use that move a lot. You know, I, I hate. You know, it, 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 believe me, Hiroki Goto is no Kenta Kobashi. And the Shouten Kai has no burning hammer, but that's his burning hammer at this point. It's a move that he busts out very infrequently. Uh, he's finishing guys with other things. Okay, so for him to bust that move out in a G1 final is the right place to do it. And I'll tell you what, that near fall fooled some people because of that. So that was a key moment, and I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I almost forgot well, about can, that. 
what was awesome too, and I, if anybody goes back, and I think in your review you have a gift from uh, Senior Lariotto, which does a really good job of it. Don't look at anybody in the ring. Look at the crowd and look how they react. Look at the announcers and how they. Everybody thinks that that's it. You can tell people stand up like they're getting ready to to, to cheer. They're getting ready to hand them the trophy. Like you can tell it it it, it shocks the crowd. Like you can see visibly like multiple people in the crowd standing up doing kind of like oh this is it like and then he kicks out and people just go unglued like the whole place everybody just in the back because it like you said it's special. It's not just every other move. It's not just the you know the Boomaye got kicked out five times every match or whatever. The Shawn guy does not do that. So yeah, it's I thought that was a very important symbolic part of that match as well. And I, I did mention this on Twitter a little bit, but you know, I went into the go-to match thinking, okay, there's no way this is going to follow the Naito match. There's no way. It's, I, I just want it to, as you said, I want it to be good. I just want it to be passable because I'm not a big go-to fan. I kind of, you know, I, I I wouldn't say I have no faith in him, but I have less faith than some people. When that match was over, I said, you know what? It's not as good as that Naito Omega match, but it is goddamn close. You know what I mean? Like I almost, I, I think I went four and a half, four and three quarters with that match. I absolutely love that match too. I went four and three quarters, and I think it was every bit as good as any G1 final of recent vintage, and really ever. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that's unfair to say either. Uh, that was a great G1 final with a lot of great storytelling, and um, and 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 with two guys that literally nobody picked to get there, according to our pick'em. No one. Had <laughs> no, that right, yeah. So I mean, I mean, you know, for all the talk of how predictable New Japan was. Uh, and New Japan is. Uh, they put two guys in the final. No one had. Nobody picked this final. Okay, nobody. And, and anyone who tells you they did, I want to see proof. Okay, so you know that you go in there with these two guys that no one expected to be there, and they and they and they have this great match. I mean, this was just um, an amazing back-to-back night performance by this guy. I give credit to Goto. You got to give credit to Naito. I think those guys did great jobs uh, as well. You know, it was very clever. Let's talk about the booking a little bit because yeah. I thought it was very clever to put Goto in that match because see what they've done here is you know the show is going to sell out before you know who's in the final anyway so you don't have to worry about who's in the G1 final right you can totally just uh, tell a story with that so that's number one number two if Omega's going to win the thing you, you don't really want to burn his win over Tanahashi yet right his right. clean win over Tanahashi you don't want to you obviously don't want to burn the Okada match yet so what they did was they put a guy in there who could have a good match with him but you're really not burning an important match. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Hiroki Goto is not any kind of drawing match or any kind of important match in the grand scheme of things. But what it was was an opponent good enough to have a great match with him. And number two, it also advanced Goto's story, right, of being this guy who just, who just continues to fail when, he, when he's in the big spot and continues to be fucking emo Goto. He's fucking sad Goto. He's in a big spot again and he loses. So it really – setting the final up that way – really ticked off a million different boxes for a tournament, which, by the way, was impeccably booked in hindsight when you look at it from start to finish. I mean, there's always going to be minor gripes when you have a tournament that has 90 matches or whatever it is. But, I mean, really, in terms of setting up future matches, elevating people, um, uh, and, and how the final three nights played out, I mean, gee, I don't think you can book it any better. I mean, this was so well booked. Yeah, there's gripes, you know, you can, Tenzan is one or whatever, you know, people brought that up that, you know, his story was kind of worthless, and I agree, and I wonder if some part of that was that they didn't trust that he could actually go all those matches or whatever, so that one I get, but yeah, otherwise when you really nail it down and really look at, okay, you know, looking beyond a a Tenzan or whatever, 
I think that's one of the big takeaways I had from this G1, more so than any of the other G1s in, in, in recent memory, is that, yes, maybe, you know, people will argue that maybe there wasn't the the amount of awesome, great matches. I think when it was all said and done, there was just as many good ones in this one as there was in, you know, in any of the years prior. But I think more than, than that, it's just that you look at these guys and you look at who stories being elevated and guys changing and the and and like we come out of this tournament and it's like everybody has a new fresh coat of paint everybody feels a little bit different everybody feels like they have a direction you know we can talk about it here in a little bit and we will when we're done talking about the finals is that all the matches we have set up in terms of okay you know yes the champion lost a bunch of matches champions want you know lost the, the, the whatever but now we have a bunch of set up matches and they all look really awesome you know what i mean like we have iwgp title matches that look great we have you know intercontinental title matches that look awesome we have kenny omega defending you know his briefcase against some guys as well or defending you know you know the g1 uh, or the Wrestle Kingdom spot as well. I mean, we came out with it, and it's just like everybody, almost every single guy in this tournament came out better than they came in. And that's that's what you – I mean, can you ask for anything more out of a tournament? And, you know, it's like, like, it's like think about – Who suffered? Like, who, who, who lost anything in this tournament? A Tenzan. But even then, I think it was like, I, hey, like, you know. No, I was going to say, I liked his story. Because he came out hot and won a couple of matches. And then the story from there was he couldn't keep up. And, and, and this was, you know, it's like I wrote in my review of that match. Life doesn't always have the, the happy ending. You don't always get the Hollywood script. You don't always get the, the, the Rocky story. You don't, know, you, know, you, know, you don't always get the miracle run. This was a real-life story. The guy ran out of gas. The story was he didn't belong in the tournament to begin with. He wasn't even selected for it. His pal gives him his spot. And then he blows a wet fart in his final tournament because they were telling you the story that he was too old and he wasn't good enough anymore. And him weeping in Kojima's arms was a tremendous moment. You got your tens on moments. Yeah. You got the Ishii match on night one, and you got him weeping in the, in the arms of Kojima on the final night. What more do you want from Tenzan? Yeah, I, I love that. I, I, I like that you mentioned that, the Kojima-Tenzan thing, because what I loved about that is not that Tenzan was weeping, but that it was the, the weep was seemed to me more of a... Because Kojima kind of got in the ring and was just like, ah, you know, like, he kind of had a look about him, like, ah, that's, that's you know, yeah, I gave you the spot, and this is what you... And Tenzan's crying seemed more, less like he was mad at himself for being bad, that more that he disappointed Kojima, that he took Kojima's spot, and he was so happy that he got it and he didn't do anything with it you know he it was almost like a disappointed father thing where he just cried in his arms and kojima was like it's all right like it's cool it's whatever but like you got this idea that kojima was just like ah really like you really could have done more with that and you like that i like that aspect of it i don't know if you got that same thing too but it seemed like tenzan was just disappointed in himself and disappointed that he disappointed kojima more so than he was upset that it was his final g1 like i i like that little aspect i don't know that's what i got out of it i don't know if anybody else did to me it felt like kojima was proud of his pal anyway for going in there and giving in his all and uh you know he was cheering him on long after he was eliminated and like you said tenzan was just disappointed that he let his pal down Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and kojima's look when they when he was holding him was like ah that's all right buddy you know like like it was dead it was like a dead something yeah and it's like that was a great moment like you didn't make the baseball team but it's okay i still love you (laughs) you know and rich in hindsight and look i'm not the biggest tenzan fan i know there's people that get mad at me when i Say, I, I, I like ten, Tenzon well enough, but the thing is, in hindsight, it kind of would have been disruptive if this guy was in the mix on the final night. Wouldn't have been, I mean, we, you know, they had this great final three nights set up and everything. Well, do you really, what is do you really want Many... shitty fucking Tenzon in the mix at that point? Do you really want that, honestly? <laughs> See, that's what's going to make people mad. You called him but shitty. But he fucking. is. He's, look, it's not 1996. It's fucking. Well, I. 
What's kind of funny is a lot of the same people that that get upset that Tenzan wasn't in, you know, the mix and all that, are the same people that go, oh, New Japan doesn't create any new stars. Well, okay, well, they can't create any new stars if you have Tenzan, you know, because in this night, in this final, in this area, they created a bunch of new stars in this final little, you know, few days. And we'll talk about another match that I thought created another huge star and another great feud as well coming up. But, like, yeah, if you have Tenzan in that mix, you're who are you creating then? You're just... Tenzan's just there, you know, like this was a young man's kind of final. I, I don't know. The whole final few days just felt like a whole new changing of the garden, new Japan. And that, that's why I really liked about it is you come out with this and you come out with the final show, especially, and you go, man, there's a lot of new stuff and a lot of fun stuff going on in this company right now. It, it, it feels like a way different company than it felt uh, two months ago. You know, Sonata wins, right? And, I'm, and at first my gut reaction was, well, that was dumb. Tenzan could Sonata wasn't in the mix. Tenzan easily could have won his final match, right? But then as I sat there thinking about it, I was like, no, this was the better way to go. It makes far more sense for him to lose and then have that great moment with Kojima because if he beats Sonata, you lose all of that. Then Kojima's in there raising his arm. You know what I mean? And, and, and all right, so we all stand there and clap and we go, yay, Tenzan, but then we lose that huge emo- emotional moment. And not only that, Sonata's going to be a big star in his company. Why should he be losing to this dinosaur? You know what I mean? Like it's, and then so I changed my mind. I'm like, no, this was the better way to go. This gave us one of the best moments of the tournament. So no, I, I I'm fine with Tenzon winning two matches. You, you got pl- if you're into ten- if you were into Tenzon, you got plenty of Tenzon moments here without it dis- mm-hmm. without it disrupting to the more important overall story. Absolutely. All right, you want to break down this uh, G1 Finals card? Oh, I guess we. Do you want to talk Okada Tanahashi? That was a good match too. I forget that we never, did. We never talk about that. We didn't talk about that last week, did we? It hadn't happened yet. Yeah, it hadn't happened yet, and we haven't even talked about it yet. So, I mean, that... Good match, Joe. <laughs> like, yeah, nice little match, right? <laughs> it's like, all right, we're 40 minutes into the show or whatever. Hey, Okada Tanahashi had a time limit draw, and it was five stars. How was that match? Pretty good, huh? That's my number two match of the year right now. <laughs> I mean, but I'll tell you, it was different from the Omega matches in the sense that I really think the Okada Tanahashi match was so much of an in-the-moment match. Because Agreed. what made that match great Aside from all of the callback spots that these guys have just become the absolute masters of, are there two wrestlers who do a better job? I mean, maybe ever when it comes to callback spots and doing things from prior matches and weaving it into the continuous story. I mean, Rich, I know you for sure. I, we haven't talked about this match, but I know for a fact before even saying a word, for, before you've ever, before I've even heard a thought of you, when they zoomed in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on him clinching that arm again. I know you were going nuts. I like my production value. Anytime you can add great production value and a great wrestling storytelling, I'm, I'm all in. And I absolutely was, yeah. And then... I, I woke up early for this one because this is one... I had that same idea as you. I said, you know what? I need to watch... I just need to watch this one live. Like, I was watching my phone getting ready for work. I was like a half an hour late for work. Whatever. Who cares? But, <laughs> like, I was like, I can't... You know, if I watch this one later... It's not going to feel the same because that draw was there. That, that idea that they might draw was there. And I said, if it is a draw, there's no way that I can watch this match an hour later, two hours later, three hours later, and still like it as much as I will if I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, the time limit's coming. Oh, my God, how's it going to end? And I did. I watched it live, and I think – I haven't went back and watched it, and I think, I, I think you said you have – I, I do think that if people are you know listening to this now and going oh I guess I'll watch it I, I just I don't know if it's ever going to properly be able to 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 
I, I just don't know if you're going to buy in as much, knowing what it's going to be. It's really going to – because I'm sitting there on my phone. Like I said, I'm a half an hour late for work. I've lost all track of time looking at it and, 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 and sitting there and going, okay, what's going to happen here? You know, they call out, okay, there's one minute left, and you're like, okay. <laughs> like they got one – and I, my heart's racing. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going – like you're never going to get that if you know that the draw is coming. You're just never, ever, ever going to have that same feeling. No, it's, it's – this was an in-the-moment match, and uh, you know, I said it in real time when I was on a, on a wrestling high from this match and this match had me so just, just, I was so into it. My hands were shaking when the match was over and I feel silly saying that because I'm a grown man watching a fake fight, but I'm so invested in the story between these two guys and I'm so invested in everything they do in that ring. And this was so good and played into the story that they've been telling since 2012 and had so many tremendous callback spots that speak right to me because I'm invested in this and I pay attention and I'm into it and I care. And if you're someone like me who's into the story that these guys are telling and you're into it and you care about what they're doing and you've watched all these matches and you're emotionally invested in this series of matches – it just – I can understand why people like us go fucking nuts for these matches and other people who just parachute in because they hear the match is kind of good don't get the same feeling. I totally get it. I understand it. If I went to some fucking indie show in Montana and, and you know the two local Montana legends were having their big blow-off match after seven years or whatever the fuck and, I, and it was a nice little match but I had no context of the story – Rich, am I going to like that match as much as the guy who's who's been sitting there for seven years in Helena? No, absolutely Montana? not. Yeah, no way. And look, it, 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 it's it's so I do think when it comes to these Tanahashi Okada matches, part of the divide because people because sometimes a lot of people are like, look, this was a good match, but you guys are you, but you, if you're a, a super invested the way that uh, a lot of New Japan fans are and fans of these this series of matches are, it really takes to another level. And this wasn't in the mo- because you, Rich. You're going to miss out on so much of the – how much nuance was there in this match that people are going to miss out on if, if yeah. say, this is the first time they've watched a match between these two or maybe they watched a match from 2012 or something and this is the – you know and they haven't seen any in between and they're dropping in for this one. You lose so much of that nuance. You know what I mean? That, if you didn't watch Wrestle Kingdom, that spot where he's clutching his wrist and the camera zooms in, which was a, a callback spot to Wrestle Kingdom, that means nothing to you. When Tanahashi is slapping Okada in the face – you know, to, 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 you know, before he gives him the Rainmaker, that's going to mean nothing to you. You know, all those little, uh, those little touches are going to mean nothing to you. Tanahashi going for the Texas Cloverleaf and Okada scratching and crawling for the ropes like, it, like his life will end if he doesn't get to those ropes. That means nothing to you if, if, if you haven't been following the company you know, closely and don't understand the context. All of those things are so brilliantly done and I think that's a lot of the stuff that gets lost on a lot of people. But even independent of that, Again, if you know the draw is coming, the, the closing stretch, which I personally believe is the best closing stretch I've ever seen in a wrestling match in terms of drama, work, callback spots, everything, okay? It, that closing stretch was the best closing stretch I've ever seen. That closing stretch loses so much if you know the draw is coming. Absolutely. One of the things that I loved about this match, too, it happened even before the match started, was... Uh, again, you know how I said, like, anytime you, you can couple a great camera shot with a great story in wrestling, I love it. And, and, and New Japan just does an incredible job with this, uh, of, of these camera shots, is the one where Okada gets into the ring and he's, he's facing the camera. He's looking down. He's not looking directly at the camera. And Tanahashi's music hits. And Okada just has this, like, 
fuck you <laughs> look like Don Ashley's it, like it, it's so perfect like you have to watch it again and I, I don't know if there's a gif out there of it but it's so perfect because it plays again into that story that we all talked about before this match started where Okada people were saying oh this ace thing oh the ace da 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 Okada was the entire time saying no I'm the ace like I beat this guy at Wrestle Kingdom what the hell and like he comes out and he's you know he's first to come out Tanahashi comes out second. That's that you know that there's there's something to that, and you know Tanahashi comes out and he's dancing and 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 playing to the fans and being you know and Okada's just focused and you could just see the tension on Okada's face. You could just see how pissed he was that this guy he just wanted to kill him. He, he's no stop being that you're not the ace. I'm the ace. I beat you. And it was just such a cool thing. And, and New Japan just did a great job uh, of capturing that moment because you just see Okada's face and he's looking down. Tanahashi's music hits. The, the video goes up and Okada, he just like cringes. You can just see his, his cheek and it just, he just gets tense. And I just oh, I loved it. It was so cool. The look on his face is this motherfucker's getting introduced. I'm the champ. I'm the champion. Right. Why am I in the ring waiting for him? And it's playing right into that story. You know, and this match also gave us, and Dave blew this in the Observer, by the way. Okay, he blew the finish of this match because this match gave us uh, one of those. I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, but a who shot first moment. You know, with Han Solo and the fucking creature. I oh yeah, the creature's yeah, yeah. name. Where uh, you know, when later versions of the movie came out, they changed that scene, right? But in the original, you know what I'm talking about? It was Han Solo. What's the creature's Absolutely, name? Absolutely, yeah. Cre- I, I, Rito, I think this creature's name is the alien. Grado. No, he's from TNA. That's 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 Grado. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, what's, um, the, what's the fucking green alien's name that Han Solo kills in the bar? Greedo. Okay, you're it's right. Greedo, right? Okay. Yeah, nice job. Yeah. So it's. it's I, I didn't expect you to be as much of a Star Wars guy as you are. I've seen all. Look, I've seen. I guess you were you were a uh, you were 15 when the first one came out, so that works. You, so, you yeah. son of a bitch! <laughs> you son of a bitch! I wasn't even born. So the uh, I saw the first three movies, and then I saw the three the first three prequels, but I'm not interested in these other three now. That's it's. Now it's overkill. I'm not a fucking nerd. You know what I mean? You're done? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I watch wrestling. I'm not a nerd. Yeah, my, 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 I'm breaking down camera shots in professional in Japanese professional I'm, wrestling. I'm, right? I'm screaming and I'm, I'm my eyes are in shaking. Yeah, you're shaking. My, my eyes are in tears on a wrestling podcast talking about how much emotion that two Japanese men have instilled me with with their wrestling match. <laughs> but I'm not a nerd. My nerddom stops right here, though. Okay, I, I am fully capable of enjoying a Star Wars movie without uh, getting in line dressed up like a fucking stormtrooper. Is what I'm getting at here, Rich. Okay, so you know, it, it, it's more of a geek. I would call that more of a geek than a nerd. Yeah. So whatever you whatever right? you want to call it, but I did. I, the creature's name is Grado, correct? Or Greedo or something? I think it's Greedo. Yeah. The point is, is the who shot first moment. And I'm thinking that the Voices of Wrestling Venn diagram, there might be a few Star Wars fans listening, and I think they know exactly what I'm talking about here. Uh, not to besmirch our listeners like we do every week. But, uh, but you know, they kind of gave us a who shot first moment at the, at the end of this match. Tanahashi finally hits the high fly flow after how many attempts and how great, Rich. How great was the spot? This one had me screaming at the top of my lungs. How great was the spot where Tanahashi goes for the high fly flow? And again, the camera work. So you don't see the spot coming, and Okada counters it with the drop kick. How beautiful was that spot? Yeah, it was great. So anyway, Tanahashi finally hits the high five fly flow, and on the two count, the bell rings, but Okada kicked out too. And for some reason in the Observer, Dave said that Okada didn't kick out. I don't know why he said that. Oh, it was emphatic that he kicked out. Of course he kicked out. That was the whole point. The whole point of that final moment was, did he kick out? Would he have kicked out in time? That's the question in your head. 
He clearly kicked out before the three count, in my opinion. Th- that's what they're telling. They're telling you, look, Tanahashi couldn't finish him. Okada finally kicked out of the high fly flow, but none of it counted because the bell rang. So, again, what a great finish. How the hell do these two guys continue to top them? It's amazing how these guys, they have these matches that are legendary, that are all-time, and they still get in there and do something new every single time. How many times do we have to have this conversation? Whether it's the arm match and invasion attack, or the first G1 draw, or this draw where the time runs out, or the Wrestle Kingdom match where no one thought, where no one expected, where Okada's walking away crying, or the second Wrestle Kingdom match, or Okada, all these matches are different. How do they do it? And, and, I, I, and look, they're, they're going to face each other again. It's obvious they're going to face, and you know what? I'm done doubting them. That, I'm, I'm pr- fully prepared for that match to be great when they face each other again. And you know what's going to happen, Rich? It's probably going to stink. Because how can they keep doing this? It's, it's in, <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. inhuman. It's happened. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the one, I, the, the kick out again. And I think that people that, because that I think is the, the, the biggest moment, I think, in the entire match is that kick out right there. And I think it, it's funny that people just, A, didn't realize it, or B, just flat out got it wrong. Like, like they've got that is, to me, the biggest part of that entire match is that he kicked out at that point because I love that because I hate... One of the things that I hate about draws is when the time limit runs out and then the guy taps out. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it just ran out and then he tapped. Like, save by the bell, that sort of thing. You didn't get that with this. You got that, oh my God, when was this match actually going to end? You, if, they, if, if that belt didn't happen. They were going like, to fight all night is what they right, like, right, like, oh my God, like, that's not even going to do it. These guys, they're, they're, thank God this bell rang because these guys were going to kill each other in this ring. And it was over. Everybody collapsed, including the referee, which is the greatest thing ever. He needed an ice pack as well. So that, like, everybody's just on the ground and they've just given their entire body, like, everything they had, they gave. But I loved it, that aspect of, no, it wasn't over. No, you didn't beat me. Nobody beat me. It, the time ended. Like, you weren't going to beat me. Like, you did everything you could. Like, I, I think I came away with that story going, okay, Okada was probably going to, at some point, get that. Because Tanahashi had done everything he possibly could to Okada, and Okada still fought through it. So that's, I left going, okay, Okada looks like the stronger guy here because he's... But you don't really have to go... Nobody looked any stronger, I don't think. I, I think at the end, it was just that, yeah, the bell rang, and these guys were going to kill themselves if that bell didn't ring and if, if this match wasn't over. So it plays perfectly into whenever they do have that next match is okay. Like you didn't beat me. <laughs> like, Oh God, I can say that. Like, again, you know, I'm still the ace. I beat you at wrestle kingdom and you couldn't beat me here. The time ran out, but I kicked out. Like, I think that that is such an important part that he kicked out and he kicked out so emphatically. So if people don't notice that, or that isn't a part of the match that you really hone in on and really look at, I think it's, Almost more than anything, the most important part of that match is that he kicked out, and it wasn't just a, I barely got my shoulder up. It was an emphatic kick out. Like, no, 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 that's not going to do it. That, I think, is super important. How about this little moment, too, where there was a chance that Tanahashi could have won by count-out? Yeah, the count-out, yeah. And, and the English commentary did a great job. I don't know if you listen to English or I did. Uh, I listened to both. They did, they did a good job. They, in the big moments, the English guys, uh, Kelly Carino and Romero, did an awesome job. The English, the big- the English guys improved as the three nights went along. Rocky Romero was awful in the first. Oh, he didn't know. Yeah. The first was- half of the first show, he was so bad, but he slowly improved to the point that by the time the final show came around, I thought the three. Look, it's the first time these three guys called matches together. You know what I mean? And two of the guys aren't intimately familiar with the product. So it, 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 it took them a couple shows to gel. But I think one of the key uh, moments – oh, and that was another thing during Tanahashi's entrance too. That was another little subtle thing. 
He shouted out Romero sitting at ringside, and that's Okada's stablemate. That was another thing to kind of stick it to Okada. You know, Miss Tanahashi's Mr. Cool. He's strutting down to the ring. He's fucking pointing at the ladies. He's got the- his air guitar going. Yeah, he's yeah. got his air crowd. He's got no care in the world. He's pointing at women in the crowd. He's saying, what's up, Rocky, to the other chaos member. He's Mr. Cool. And Okada is just in that corner like, I want to kill this fucking guy. I've been waiting for this match. I want to kill this fucking guy. But, he, you know, there was this subtle moment. or well, not so subtle. I mean, they hammered it home. Tanahashi had a chance to maybe win the match by countout. But he, but and he had a decision to make. Do I wait it out? No. He took a chance. He took a risk. He's like, I'm going to go out there and finish him for good to guarantee I win this match by countout. But then it backfired because Okada. Then that's when Okada hit the tombstone on the outside of the ring. So that was an interesting moment too. What's Tanahashi going to do here? He went for the kill and it backfired. Tana uh, Okada had an answer for it. And then for the rest of the match, particularly in the closing stretch, Okada had answers for all the high fly flow attempts, including that gorgeous spot, that that memorable spot where he countered it with the drop kick. Just mm-hmm. just a just a great fucking match with such a sense of urgency in that final 10 minutes that I'm never going to forget. And, uh, you know, so, I, you know, I, I gave that one five stars. I gave the two uh, uh, Kenny Omega matches four and three quarters. I mean, you couldn't have had a stronger finish to this tournament. And, oh, by the way, there were a bunch of other great matches too. And, <laughs> and a, a, a fantastic angle that we're going to talk yes. about. Yes, I can't wait to talk about that. Fired up. Yeah, I cannot wait to talk about that. So let, let's go over the finals, uh, the final uh, event here. Uh, of course, we talked about the main events. We'll start at the beginning and kind of work our way down. Uh, the opener, I don't really have any strong opinions. Maybe you do. Uh, Justin Thunder Liger and Tiger Mask defeating Finley and Taguchi. I, yeah, I, have, I, mean. I have very strong opinions about this. They need to shit or get off the pot with David Finley. We went through this with Komatsu and Tanaka. Those guys were fucking waste. They wasted away for a year and a half that they didn't need to waste away for, and they're doing the same thing with David Finley. Repackage this guy and push him. Send him away. Do something with this guy. You could argue he's better than like half of the roster. He's a better worker than half of it, and this is a good roster. What the fuck? Are and the problem is this guy. Yeah, and without White, he's kind of stagnating a little bit. And that's not nothing on him, but it's just kind of like he's just sitting there, like, all right, you know, like who do I like? What do I do? Like he seems weird because we know that that another uh, that new crop of, of lions is, is ready to come. Or I, well, that's ready, see, Rich, be, that's yeah, that might thing. be the thing. They might not be ready, that's and that might be the problem because you uh, yeah. can't find these new young lions with a fucking search party. I think what the problem is here is they have no faith in these new guys because they're not as good. At, look, we, Rich, did we not scream that we were all spoiled by that other group? Komatsu, Tanaka, White, and Finley were so – they were as good as any group you're ever going to see as young lions. Okay, As good as any group of young lions ever, even that second generation. Just as good at the same level, if not better. Whoever followed them was going to have a tough task. But these guys that are following them are literal teenagers. And they're not – their bodies haven't filled out, and they're not very good yet. They're not very good yet. And I think New Japan is afraid to trot these guys out. And they're real afraid to trade uh, Oka out there because they think he's the next big thing. And I have a feeling you're not going to see that guy until he's close to a finished product because I don't think New Japan wants you to see him when he's weak. Do you understand? Right. I think that they have such high hopes for that guy, that Kadani has such high hopes for that guy, that I think they're going to hide him. Until he's already really good. Uh, so I, I think that's the problem. And I think Finley's now stuck in a tough spot because, yeah. you know, it, it, and it's unfortunate because he's really good and he's not really a kid. Isn't he like 25, 26 already? <sighs> David Finley. Let me find out what he is exactly. But yeah, he's kind of in a fl- in a weird like in-between period right now where it's just like, 
Um, oh, shit. When you look up, yeah, dumb. <laughs> when you look up David Finley, his dad comes up. I forget. Uh, let's see. Oh, you can't even look up David Finley, New Japan. <laughs> his dad comes up again. Damn it. Uh, I don't know how old he is right now. I'll, I'll try to look well, up I a got, little bit I more. Got, uh, oh, 1993 he was born in. So... Uh, he's a little, yeah. he's like 23. Okay. Yeah, so he's, still, he's got plenty he's of got time, time still. He's got, but... he's, got, he's got more time than I thought. But the point is he's so good now that it, I'm so sick and tired of seeing him waste away doing jobs on these shows when he's such a good worker. And what good is it doing him at this point? Yeah, he's not good. He, he's, I, I think he's reached the peak of what he's going to do in New Japan, and it's time for him to move on. Then whatever comes in the next stage of his career, yeah. But yeah, and, and like you said, it's just that weird moment where he doesn't really have white anymore, so he's kind of just tagging with other guys, and it's just it, it's just not working right now. So hopefully they can figure out something to do with him. Uh, second match: the return of Gato and Jado. Jado, long I, I think last time we saw him, what was it, March or uh, was it the Rambo? I think he he came back in March, right? Uh, he he was the winner of the prestigious um, Wrestle Kingdom mm-hmm. Rambo. Maybe that was his last match. So I don't know if he partied or what he did. But yeah, we hadn't seen Jado in uh, in months. I don't know where he went, uh, what he was doing, uh, if he was captaining any ships or anything. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Jado was just just gone, and he came back out of nowhere and right out of the gates defeated Captain New Japan and Yoshitatsu. This is your gimmick, and I'm gonna let you ride it out to the end, buddy. Um, yeah. So world class tag team was back. You know, I was excited about that. I don't give a shit how many duds people gave this match. I loved it. And I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you why, though. Because, look, first of all, did you see how excited the crowd was for world-class tag team? Oh, absolutely. Jado came out. They just lost their shit. <laughs> They're like, this is... It's Jado. And then I didn't find out. Like, you know I wrestle, like, here a lot. Like, I wrestle in Kirk and a lot. If you want to, like, be really excited when I come out for Noah, that'd be great and buy some tickets, too. But, you know. But then, you know, and this is, this is a world-class tag team back together. And then, you know, they're going nuts. They're firmly behind these guys during the entire match, which I loved. But then I didn't find out until a couple days later going through Chris Charlton's tweets. You know what this fucker Jado did when he had the mic? He thanked the crowd for, for selling out to come see him. <laughs> what an incredible quote. <laughs> right? He's like, thank you, guys. Uh, we drew a, he, he was crediting world-class tag team with, yeah, well. with drawing the sellout. But you know what? He might not be wrong. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, and I, listen, were you a little surprised that they beat Captain New Japan and Jutsu? <laughs> I was. Uh, did you listen to the English commentary during this match? I did. <laughs> right. If you if, if anybody's listening to this and you didn't watch the English commentary, just for this match, it's going to seem really weird that I'm telling you to go back and watch this match during the finals. But watch this in the English commentary. The, the commentators, including Rocky Romero, which I thought was was extra funny, couldn't help but just laugh and make fun of Captain New Japan and Yoshitatsu the entire time. Including of how bad Yoshitatsu was, or is, or was, or will be. They, in the most, I don't even, I don't even want to say subtly. They were just burying them for how bad they are and how stupid the gimmick is and the Bullet Club Hunter t-shirts and Captain New Japan tagged in Yoshitatsu and I think Rocky said, oh, it's like a, a lukewarm tag or whatever. And like just laughing at these, just outwardly laughing at these guys. It's like, man, I, I know people like Yoshitatsu. He is so bad. How was this? He how was he this bad? He's look, and here's the thing: he can't do the spinebuster. He was in NXT for like seven years. How do you not know how to do a spinebuster? He he dropped Gato on his the side of his hip, dude. You were going to you were going to seriously hurt somebody if you does he know what a spinebuster looks like? Does he think you literally bust someone's spine? I listen. It, he almost killed Gato. I was like, don't kill Gato. Like, <laughs> did you see that spinebuster? I know how you feel doing this show. This has been your this you have been laser focused on this man's spinebuster for months. I'm just letting it's you go. The worst. 
so bad. How do you not know what a spy – like, don't do it anymore. Stop. Like, and here's the oh thing. My. I'm pretty sure that you can get in a ring and, and do a pretty competent spine buster on your first That's act. That's what I mean. Has he ever seen a spine buster before? I, 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 he, like, holds the guy so long that he lands on his hip. It's like, no, don't do that. Like, it's, uh, it's not a fucking – it's not Tiger Driver 85 is what you're trying to say. It's hard. You know I mean? It's not it, – it's, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I, I just thought it was interesting – that look, it's one thing to lose to bad luck Fale in openers every night. It's one thing because they had a, and they had a really bad weekend because they got literally squashed by the Briscoes two nights earlier. <laughs> a three minute WCW six oh five Road Warriors against the Mulkies. Am I exaggerating, Rich? I mean, that's what that no, match it was, was. It was destruction. Yeah, it was absolutely. And, and this is like the Briscoes we're talking. Like you mentioned, the, 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 what's funny is the example you mentioned are two hundred seventy-five pound monsters in the Road Warriors versus you know the Mulkies who are you know seventy-five pounds soaking wet or whatever. And this was the Briscoes that did that. The Briscoes were in the Road Warrior spot here. Yeah, they just annihilated them. <laughs> right. So it's it's one thing to have never won a match since April. It's one thing to be in prelims and be bottom guys. Okay, someone has to be the bottom guy. It's one thing to lose a squash to the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions as they prepared for their title match two nights later. But Rich, I was still surprised because they lost. They didn't. Ju- they lost to a junior team number one. Because how often do you see that? Okay, but they didn't just. But this wasn't like they lost to the fucking. They didn't lose to um, Red Dragon. They lost to the lowest ranked junior team in the company. They lost to two guys who don't beat anybody. They lost to a junior team that never wins a match. How low on the totem pole do you have to be to lose to a junior team as heavyweights? <laughs> don't, I didn't even make and that And it's a junior team that never wins a that, – that is the bottom junior team. The only ju- t- teams that the world-class tag team are ahead of in the pecking order are the, are the Young Lions. They don't beat anybody else. So this really hammered home where Captain New Japan are and Yoshitatsu are in the pecking order, which is like a half step above David Finley. That's really where they are right now. And do you think that they're setting up a split of these Bullet Club hunters where Yoshitatsu <laughs> – but here's the thing. I kind of like that – I love, I love when promotions give prelim guys stories and something to do. You know what I mean? Because then I feel like everything I'm watching on the show means something. So I have a confession to make, Rich. I'm into the Bullet Club hunters. I'm into okay. this story of them never winning, losing to juniors, getting squashed. Because I want to see where this is going. Well, who left the ring after? I forgot who got pinned in that. I, I'm blanking Captain on who. New Japan. Okay, so Tatsu left the ring then, he right? Because they mentioned that in the English commentary that, oh, where's Tatsu going? Okay, well, he's just leaving. Okay. He's, had, yeah, he's had enough of this guy. So <laughs> right. I think that they're doing a little story here, you know, which is fine by me. But I also say this Yoshi Tatsu has taken pins in six mans and stuff that. It, 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 like on some of the tour stops. So it's not like, you know, but, but Captain New Japan, usually in the high-profile spot, takes the fall. I'm into this stupid team. Let's move on. Why are we talking about this? Let's move on. I don't know. I, I do want to ask you, though, what is the last match? Do you remember the last match of the world-class tag team won? Well, they were, um, they were at the, uh, the We Are Suzuki Gun. Um, they earned a GHC junior tag title shot on that show. Um, so they, must have, they, they won on the We Are Suzuki Gun. But if you're talking about in, in New Japan... Is that your question? Uh, yeah, I mean, so you had the We Are Suzuki Gun. That was, in the, that was in the spring. So that's right. Then you have the Taka Taichi Produce Show. Remember that yes. one? 
They won that one too. So yeah, go back to the last New Japan one then. Actually, that might be the same match that we're confused. I don't know. But the point is, what's their last New Japan win? I would say that it may it may have been, unless there's some Young Lion match I'm not recalling, 2012 um, Junior Tag Tournament where they. Okay, so there is there is one um, Lion match, and it's in two. Uh, it's. Uh, December of 2013 against Tanaka and Kamatsu in the World Tag League, but yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll we won't listen to those. So we'll, let's let's grab another. I okay, I got team. it here. Yes, a real team. I, okay, I, I got it here. You were year, you were year back. It, it was actually uh, 2013, October 2013, in the Road to Power Struggle. It was the Super Junior Tag Tournament first round? They defeated Liger and Tiger Mask. Yeah. I remember going nuts for that. Because I mean, who would have thought they would have won, right? And they, 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 you know, they got into the semifinals or whatever. I was excited about that. So, but I guess a couple months later, they beat uh, the Young Lions on a, a World Tag League show. That means it made tape. So they won on yeah. they won on tape twice in 2013 and haven't won a New Japan match since until <laughs> defeating the Bullet Club Hunters. So that's big time stuff for one of the. Well, listen, who I'm not afraid to call one of the best tag teams of all time. I love this tag team. I always love this tag team. Everyone knows I love Gato. And I love the world-class tag team. And I'll tell you, the English commentary, they also shouted out that ECW match against the Impact players that we talked about a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, which was great a one. Great match. I mean, does it get any better for a seven-minute match? I mean... It, no, that's that's one of the best sub-ten-minute matches I think I've ever seen in my life. And, that, and, that's, and that's not hyperbole. It is like absolutely... Like, you can tell that these guys just hit a gear and they go, okay. Like, it, it, to me, it looks like they thought, okay, we got this 15-minute match planned out. You know, maybe it's 20 minutes or whatever. And Heyman screamed at them, you got seven! And they went, okay. And they just like... Everything happens, but everything has meaning, and everything. It's not like they just rushed through spots. Like everything, like they did. There, there's a speed to it, but it's not like a. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel. It's not a spot fest. Yeah, it's not a spot. Yeah, it's I guess a, that's the best well way to describe constru- it. Like it's a well constructed seven minute match. You really just have to watch it to really get it. Like it feels like when it's over, you felt like you watched a match go for fifteen minutes, and then you find out it was only seven. It's just it, it, it's it, it's crazy. It's incredible. But yeah, definitely go check that out. I think it, it's easy to find, right? Don't you just look up Gato on if you search WWE yeah, Network and it comes up Gato or Jado on WWE Network. It's those guys only have a handful of matches. So Jado, in fact, probably has less than Gato. So just search Jado, and it'll come right up. Although I think, it, depending on what you search on what device, I think one of them just goes right to the finish, which is just awful, yeah, and then one of his yeah. entire match. So why, who would ever? Why would I ever want to see that? Yeah, be careful. With that. Whoever searches for the finish they, of a they match. They really like, need to remove the finishes from the searches. Because I, I thought I got all ready to go. I get, you know, the dun, 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 you know, I get all that ready to go, and then it's just like, get on it, it's over. I'm like, what the fuck? Why would I want? And if it's something. It was over in 20 here's seconds. Thing too, like, if, if, if you're looking for something you've never seen, right? It gets spoiled before because like one is the one thing is the match and the thing right next to it is the finish and you see who won. And you have no clue which one is which. I mean it's the same thumbnail. It's, everything was the same. I'm almost positive. And it's like, okay, first of all, like if, if I want to seek out a specific match finish, I'll just go to the match and fast forward. You know what I mean? Like if someone really wants to do that, why have the finishes in the searches? I will never. Yeah, I'm just having a tough time figuring out who like searches and goes, oh, I can't wait to watch the finish of this, you know, Undertaker Vader match. Or, oh, there we go. And cool. it's All literally right. like, it's literally like the last eight seconds of the match. <laughs> right. Like who searches and goes, oh, look at that. The two it's not All even right, like cool. the closing stretch of the match. They give no, it's like, like the last the... eight seconds. Right. It's so stupid. It's 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 a it's a it's flat out annoying is what it is. Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi defeating Great Bashiel, Makabe, and Hanma. Look, I felt like watching this that it was like, all right, why are these two prominent upper mid-card tag teams facing each other 
this felt like a title eliminator to me. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Ishii and Yoshihashi get a tag team title shot. Now, Omega has already challenged Yoshihashi to a, a briefcase match because he wants to avenge his loss to Yoshihashi. But with all of these destruction shows and with Power Struggle and all these shows coming up, Rich, you think you think that's where they're going here? Do you think Ishii and Yoshihashi, after getting a very strong win over a team that's pushed, are getting a tag title shot? I think there's got to be something to it, and I think there's there's got to be something to Yoshihashi getting that pinfall as well. I think there, that, that can't be meaningless. You know what I mean? Like nothing in this company is they, – they just don't do that often. And to have it be so obvious that Yoshihashi got the pinfall over a Hanma or whatever, yeah, I, there's got to be something more to it. I think there just two has to things be. with the fall. Number one, they continue to establish that this is not your big brother's Yoshihashi who is the chaos – He's a, he's, a, he's a legitimate pushed guy now. Number two, they knew he was getting the briefcase match. So why not give him the – what point is it of Ishii getting a – everybody already knows Ishii's the shit. So give Yoshihashi another pinfall, right? So I think that was kind of twofold. But uh, I'm wondering if this also means they get a tag title shot, which I'm really hoping for, for reasons that we'll talk about when we get to the Briscoes match. All right, and what – you know, maybe not my not the best match of the weekend, but maybe one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend. It was Nakanishi, Nagata, Tenzan, and Shibata, Team New Japan versus Kitamiya, Tanaguchi, Shiozaki, and Nakajima, Team Noah. This was the best match ever. The floor is yours, my friend. How great was it? I mean, just it was like so. First off, I think what, what the best part of this was that the crowd was just super into this too. Like from the moment that Team Noah came out, they're booing them, and it's a different sort of heat too. And they're playing into it too. Nakajima's kind of riling them on, like yeah, 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 bring you know, give it to Shiozaki. You know, thinks he's gonna get cheered. He puts his hands in the air and they boo him, and he's kind of like, oh, okay, so we're doing that. All right, that's fine. Like you know, and I think those guys all rose to the occasion too, going, okay, cool. Like that's sweet. Like these people legitimately don't like us because we're the you know Team Noah. We're the bad you know the invaders or whatever and they played it up so well man it was just like the heat of this was incredible the crowd was just like no this is we're new japan fans we're rooting for new japan and i i just thought that just put it to another level the entire match those guys just had just incredible incredible heat uh, between the two teams um Kitamiya, who i love and i cannot believe that they're still not pushing him and noah he came out there like a ball of fire and, and was awesome and the crowd just loved booing him as well the thing that really got me, though, more than anything, of course, we'll talk about the post-match here in a little bit, but in the match, it was Go, Shiozaki, and Shibata. How awesome were those interactions between those two? Like, right now, I want a match. Like, I, I, like, I, I, I don't care. Whatever the next show is, Destruction, whatever it is, I want Go, Shiozaki, and Shibata right now. I can't wait. I think you're going to have to wait a while. I need it right I now. Think you're no, to I wait want it now. I, <laughs> I want it now. I think that's the big match you're going to build, too. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it was incredible. I mean, you know... It, and the crowd knew it too. The crowd knew, ooh, this is a big deal. The crowd was such an important component to this because if the crowd didn't react to this stuff, it really would have fell flat. But the crowd played along and they played their role and they were 100% behind New Japan. Did you see at the end of the match when Nakajima was up on the middle turnbuckle as new, the New Japan guys were leaving, all of the fans mm-hmm. giving them the finger? Yeah. You don't see that from Japanese fans. And not only that, this is Nakajima, who they were all behind all tour long. He had a <laughs> right, they loved him. Right? Yeah. He's, and they're giving him, they're flipping him the fucking bird. I mean, this match was worked with such an intensity. This felt like an old school Japanese promotional battle of old, right? Yeah, go back on your New Japan World and watch those other ones. I mean, Senior Lariato has a few of them linked on his uh, his New Japan World doc or whatever. There are a few of those old promotion ones, and I, you know the UWFI. Uh, there's a few others as well. 
and this has the exact the crowd sounded the same like that's why it was my favorite match because i love those matches and despite you know me not liking elimination matches those are some of my favorite matches ever and like just because you can feel the raw emotion of the crowd you can feel that the wrestlers kind of get that too they kind of go okay you know what no we're the we're the other company in this other you know it's cool i'm sure wrestlers get kind of amped up for that as well and they did here you can tell like and nakajima just eating that up at the end is so cool because he gets on that you know he said he gets on that rope or whatever people are giving the finger and he's kind of like you know he's waving to himself like hey, come on bring it bring it yeah go to hell you know and like he had that same sort of vibe of like all right all right and for it to be that guy and like you said it's so cool that like for the past two weeks or the past month for god's sake people have been loving this guy and cheering him and yeah nakajima and now it's like no wait you're noah fuck you you know and like that's awesome and that's really cool and like you can't you, you can't recreate that emotion for anything other than something like that. You, you know what I mean? Something that is a promotional war type thing, but that it still happens even for a company like Noah that feels so cold at times that the crowds still react in that way with those guys sort of invading. How cool. I mean, like that's I, right now I was like, man, I really hope like d- do something with this. Have this become a thing because these guys, I think this is going to be really cool if they actually do something like this. I wasn't expecting this at all. I was expecting just a throw. I thought handshakes. I thought it was going to be, hey, yeah, all right, yeah. cool, bye. Like, like, that's what I thought it was. I don't know if they, I wonder, like, because I don't know. Did they know that the crowd was going to react as bad as they did? I, listen, I, I was just expecting an eight-man tag where Kitamiya took took the fall. You know what I mean? Like, Shibata gave him the penalty kick, and, you know, we'd all just go home. But, no, I think this was clearly designed to be the start of something, and I think it was clearly designed to get the reactions that they wanted to get. And I thought Go Shiozaki really was one of the standouts in this match because just of the way he reacted to getting booed. Yeah, he puts his hands up. They, you know, they announce him. He puts his hands up, and he immediately kind of does like a take back. Like people, because like, people boo him, and he's kind of like, "Oh, okay, like, I, all right, we're doing that." And then, then just to, the, the look, the smirk, and the look on his face. And then every time he got tagged in, that you know made them boo him even more. So he really played right. his role so well. Nakajima played like you said turning the crowd on him after they loved him for the entire tour and he was you know uh you know positioned as a guy that you were supposed to cheer um you know kid Tamiya, he for his part he got in there and worked his ass off maybach it's like he wasn't even in the match i don't i couldn't even find a guy but i mean but then the post the post match oh, i mean the brawl was phenomenal first of all and we didn't even talk about the headbutt i mean shibata headbutts nakajima like legit, you can. It sounded like you were like you were smashing two coconuts together. If, if if when you when you were listening to it, he's busted open. You have that great visual of just the stream of blood that again, like a, a great river. camera shot. They're so good. I don't know how they do that. Like I feel like it's like you know, like this stuff. They're so good at it that you wonder, like, how did they even notice that the blood was coming down? You know, I, I've worked in production. I've worked in TV production. It's not that easy to see that. But they knew right at the time. Someone said, "Zoom in," and the blood's running down. Like you know, what I mean, like it's yeah, perfect. For what amount, like, that's for what so hard to do. To a live sporting event. It's I mean, not easy. You, like I would have think this is taped weeks ago, and this was an extra camera that they had or something sure. like that. You know, that's doing zoom ins. No, this was like the hard cam that they had that zoomed in at the exact right time as he's looking up and as the blood's running down. Like you can't beat that. Like that's unbelievable. I'm sure they're privy to some of the big spots that are coming, like the wrist clutch and the fi- in, in the Tanahashi sure. match. But something like this, you're right. I don't think they know that a stream of bloods running down his forehead is, at the exact point. You know, like look yeah, that perfect and provide yeah. such a great visual. And maybe it's just they have a great director, you know, who's on top of things, which is important, as you know, who knows where to be in those situations. But again, the, the ability to think on your feet like that for what amounts right. to a live sporting event is amazing. 
and and even more so that they didn't have to spend you know two years in NXT to learn where the hard cams are. So it's uh you know <laughs> exactly you know cameras actually instead they just move to where they actually are instead of worrying about a hardy. It's so weird. Isn't it amazing like, when you just let the wrestlers do what they naturally do, <laughs> and that you let the production people do their job? Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that all feel more organic too when you do it that way, rather than oh wait, everybody face <laughs> this way? <laughs> like, let me do my move to you this way so that yeah. So it's... I mean, but but yeah, the post match brawl where knock where first of all that was a hard way headbutt, and I legit that legit knocked Nakajima Luby. I think it, he he was knocked out MMA style after that headbutt. He collapsed, and yeah, he was selling. Uh, but I think he was legit knocked Luby with that too. And I know you can see Kitsumi in the background too. I'm looking at the gift right now. He screams like you can see him just going, "Oh my god!" Like yeah, pro- he, probably like so I'm good. glad that wasn't me. Yeah, like, thank God I tagged out of that. You know, like, and then and then they do the post match brawl, and this fucking psychopath Shibata is giving headbutts to Shiozaki. He's ripping at his hair and headbutting him, and Shiozaki's just like, "What are you?" Th-? And Shiozaki's got a look to him, like he's not like laughing, but he's kind of just like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got like, the young boys, officials trying to tear him apart. It's funny they were they were calling for Rocky Romero to get in there to help break it up. And he's like, "I'm not getting in there." He's like, I don't want anything to do with this. This is this is this is sick. And the crowd reacted really cool too. Like this was a legit brawl that like got out of hand. And that like you know, New Japan does a lot of these brawls now, and you just hear that bell ring all the time, and you kind of know it's kind of nothing, and the crowd doesn't really react. This was one where they were going nuts because there was carnage. I mean, there was like anarchy going this on. This was anarchy because there was a the lot ring. going on at once. Because during those brawls that you're talking about, it's always two guys pairing off to set up the singles match they have. Mm-hmm. And it's just like ding 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 <laughs> every second. It's like all right, we get it. Like, like, oh, right. Ishii's facing Makabe at Destruction. <laughs> we know. Okay. But this was more like you had Shizaki headbutting, uh, getting headbutt by Shibata. And then I don't know if you noticed, but you had that fucker Nagata. He was taunting everybody with his little fucking dance. And then, <laughs> not, and he, and you remember him in the all, when he invaded all Japan on behalf of New yeah, Japan? Right. He was so great. He would do like the New Japan dance and fucking Masakatsu motherfucking Funaki would jump in the ring and attack him. And so he was being, he, Nagata's great in this role as like a instigating prick. So he's being an instigating prick and Nakajima wasn't having any of it. Not, <laughs> so they've been friends. Yeah, right? Nakajima. Like last week, she's like, no, I actually fuck you. <laughs> he ran over there and then they started having a kick battle. So they're kicking each other's fucking chests in while Shibata's headbutting Shiozaki. There's bodies flying all over the place. You got Tenzan and fucking Maybach kind of hiding in the corner like, oh, I don't want to do with this shit. We're too old for this fucking shit. You got everybody else tearing each other apart. And the heat, Rich, the heat for this was fucking off the charts. This felt like an old school promotional war. And God, I hope this goes somewhere cool. You know what I mean? I, I really hope that just branches out and goes into a lot of cool places. And here's the other thing. These four Noah guys who just, you know, you see them in Noah and you're like, oh, fuck it. Can I skip to the junior match? Cause I'm not sitting through another fucking go Shiozaki match. How much juice and life did it give to these four Noah That's guys? That's what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. That, 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 that is a huge thing. Cause like we say, there's such a cold, like those guys, I list those names and you probably go, all right, whatever. But like, yeah, they, they look like different men here. I mean, it, it, like Noah just got lit on fire from this thing. And that's why it, it sucks is cause then, yeah, they're going to go to the next Noah show and it's going to be a boring slog of a thing or whatever. But it's like, man, they got something. Like they really have something in New Japan with this Noah New Japan feud if they actually go through with it. It would really be cool. I also like the, the visual too of the different, uh, young lions or the young boys of both promotions. 
kind of separating the ring too. I always I always like that. I always like that about the old promotion um, battles that they used to have too. You know, you'd have different track suits or whatever. Like I really I don't know. It's just like little visuals like that that go real long way in making those promotional feuds seem uh, to, to look and feel like they're different than just a normal match, which I, I always love. Yeah, you're dead on. All right, IWGP tag titles: the Briscoes versus Hangman Page and Yujiro. Now look, there was nothing wrong with this match, but. What happened was there was no chance it could follow the fucking carnage that the fans had just seen. And we're not overselling this brawl. I mean, it really was phenomenal. And there was no way that this match could follow that carnage, especially when you had Hangman Page, who is not over, uh, Yujiro, who stinks, and the Briscoes, who were just still starting to get over in the company. So I felt really bad for everybody involved because there was nothing wrong with the work in this match. The problem was it had no chance to get over. Um, and it was it was kind of frustrating because the, the fans would pop for the Briscoes offense. They would do a lot of their hot moves, and the fans would be into it. And then the Bullet Club team would go into their control period. And I think uh, the one critique I would have with, with the story of, from a story perspective is I don't think the Bullet Club team worked this match properly uh, considering what they had just followed. They needed to keep – this needed to be a hot match. And – Working chin locks and slowing things down and working a southern style tag was not the way to go. <clears throat> yeah, and that, I guess we can kind of parlay that right into the Ring of Honor World Title match with Jay Lethal and Satoshi Kojima, which I was tremendously disappointed by. I, I, I really I thought they were doing something here. It was kind of getting there. I kind of enjoyed it for a point, and then the end came, and I was just like, Ugh. it just it, oh the low blow finish, distraction, that sort of stuff. It just it, I did not like. That match at all? It was. Lethal it Kojima. was building to a nice crescendo, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah, it was getting there, getting there, getting there. Kojima, and they just didn't you know, finish it off, and it just. Yeah. Kojima was getting all fired up. He reversed yeah. the lethal injection with the lariat to the back of the head. He's screaming at the top of his lungs. Tenzon's cheering him on for once, and then they go to a fucking bullshit finish. And the thing about it is, and not even a good bullshit finish no, either. Low, just low. A, off. One. Yeah, just the worst. Just like the most generic, like TV, like Raw is War 1998 bullshit finish. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not even a good one. And it's doing Jay Lethal no favors because the last time he was in Japan defending this title, he won by hitting Mike Elgin in the head with the Book of Truth. Again, and, and that was also uh, in Tokyo. So these Tokyo fans think that this Jay Lethal guy and that the Ring of Honor world title, first of all, is a joke. And that this Jay Lethal guy is just some schmuck who has to be up to shenanigans to win all of his matches. So it does him no favors. And um, it was just, you know, they were building. It's the NWA. It's the NWA title. Yeah, it's just, you know that's what I mean? exactly and, what it is. Right. And that's not good. And, you don't want that. And the matches aren't <laughs> even as good. Right. I mean, Jay, Jay Lethal has not been as good as Rob Conway was. Rob Conway right, is better that. than Jay yeah. Lethal. Wrap your head around that. Because it's true. It's absolutely true. And, and that shouldn't be if you're Jay Lethal. You know? Look, compare the way that the Briscoes treat these matches to the way Jay Lethal does. The Briscoes work these matches, even a three-minute squash, like they, they wouldn't rather be anywhere on earth than in Japan working these matches. They're excited. They're amped up. Mark Briscoe's killing himself, doing fucking elbows off the apron like fucking Cactus Jack in 1991. Okay, and flying halfway across the floor and, and, you know, working their asses off. And Jay Lethal goes in there and has gimmick matches that you'd see on Nitro in 1999. Did this annoy you? I don't know. I, I guess it, maybe it's our, our own personal bias, but him coming out and immediately the first thing he says is, Adam Cole, I hope you're watching. Oh, it, it killed 
me. Because I went, fuck this. Like, <laughs> like, I, I, knew right, I knew right then and there, this is any, you know, you better be watching. This is coming to you on Friday or whatever. This coming, it was just like, fuck you. Like, this is just the worst. And I'll tell you what, a little birdie told us that New Japan was none too happy about all that. About treating Kojima just like some, you know, common fucking jobber. On the way, on the way to Adam Cole, yeah. <laughs> like, right, which definitely explains how Kevin Kelly bent over backwards like a fucking yoga master on all three fucking nights to explain the scenarios that would occur should Kojima win. I mean, he all three nights he went out of his way to explain what would happen in Las Vegas and what would happen at the fucking Field of Honor should Kojima win. Because I think at the behest of New Japan, who was not happy at all that Ring of Honor uh, you know, didn't announce the Las Vegas match as Jay Lethal or Satoshi Kojima. Mm-hmm. Or if Jay Lethal is still champion. Yeah, right. it was just a foregone conclusion that he would be. Yeah. Which, and, and, and the way New Japan does things is they never schedule two title matches. It's always one at a time. You know what I mean? They don't do that. It, it's like you get, they schedule one title match, and then after that one, they set up the next one. So to New Japan, they found this very disrespectful that they treated their company and treated a guy like Kojima, who's a veteran, and, and all that, the way that uh, Ring of Honor did here. And the f- match finish was just a fucking joke. You're right. It was, I mean, why can't Jay Lethal beat Satoshi Kojima clean? Right. I don't understand. You're not, they're not doing anything with Kojima. Uh, unless New Japan, because they were annoyed with everything else, said, no, you can't do that. You got to give us something here because you're embarrassing our wrestler. So you're not, because that's entirely possible. That's not something I heard. But do you think that's a possibility? That's a possibility, yeah. I just I, – they, they've done this before though. You know what I mean? Like if it wasn't so – like it, if it wasn't kind of the commonplace for this title and, 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 and anytime Ring of Honor or anytime this title or Lethal is in Japan, I – you know, if that Michael Elgin thing didn't happen before, I'd say maybe. But like I think that's kind of just how they want to do it. I think Lethal or, or, or whoever is booking it thinks that that's going to get heat. But it's just – it makes your title look so stupid. It works so much better if Lethal just beats Kojima and they have like a handshake or whatever, and that's fine. Like Lethal playing up the, you know, and he knows better, right? Like I kind of feel like Lethal should know better that that's not going to get over in Japan. They're not going to care about this you because they didn't care. They didn't boo. They didn't do anything. They just went, oh, all right, bye. <laughs> like I, that's the point. Next. That's the point I was trying to make right. before. You would think that Jay Lethal would be amped up for these matches. It's a big opportunity, right? I mean, he, the Tokyo Dome show and this show were the two biggest matches on the two. Uh, I mean, you worked you worked Tokyo Dome and Sumo Hall, and that's had like you say, yeah, you know what? Let me hit you with a low blow when somebody distracts you, and I'll win that way. Does that work for you? Yeah, good, cool. So, I, 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 like what? And just his effort in the matches too doesn't blow me. Away. They suck. No, they're garbage. Yeah, th- this thing, this was all Kojima. I thought, and that it's I, I like Jay Lethal too, and I'm not one of those guys that dislikes it. I think he's very I like good him too. I, but this, yeah, this was Kojima all the way. Lethal was going to work this like it was a TV, like a ROH TV main event, and Kojima was out there working like this is a big deal. And when it was all said and done, it was a TV match. And it's like, no, like it's not. And I think it's so much better of a, a publicity for that title if you really want people to watch it to have Lethal just prove one way or another that he's better than Kojima, not by cheating or whatever. And then Kojima maybe gives him the thumbs up, and then they go, okay, yeah, well, now he's going to defend his next step against, you know, because Lethal's a, a face too in Ring of Honor, right? Like he doesn't need to cheat, right? I, I don't. I don't get it. He's a face in Ring of Honor. Like he's a good head, guy. The club shaved his head. And he's a. He's not a bad guy. He's a good guy in Ring of Honor. Like why would you? That's like that's another thing I didn't even think of at the time too. What the what? That's why I think New Japan may have made that demand. I I don't know. It's yeah. Awesome. I don't. 
Jeez. Here's another well. layer to the relationship between these two companies. It's oil and water, it's man. Ring of Honor. Just... <laughs> this was a situation of Ring of Honor. Just you know, you're having your guys on their show. You got to respect the way they do business, right? Like with the whole announcing the title matches and everything. You know, would it have really killed them to? I mean, you know, to announce, you know, because wrestling fans, especially Ring of Honor fans, are smart enough to know that Satoshi Kojima was not winning this match. You know what I mean? So, would it have killed them to advertise it as such? As one guy, or if Jay Lethal retains, you don't even have to say whether it's going to be one guy or the other. Just say if Jay Lethal retains in Japan. New Japan mm-hmm. would have been happy with that. Uh, moving on here, Kushida, Juice Robinson, Tanahashi, and Elgin versus Naito, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi. Yeah, I mean these um these Los Ingop- oh, and, oh, I forgot to say, Ingobernables won. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, their six and eight man tags are always excellent, and I never have a complaint. They're always. Um, excellent matches and this was another one and they feel like a gang more so than any like stable because a lot of times you get these stable matches but this guy's they feel like they're a unified group like a gang or state you know what i mean like you, you don't get that with a chaos six man or whatever you really get that with the ingobernables they do a very good job of you that. do they work seamlessly together which is interesting because um one guy was on excursion in america the other guy wasn't even working for the company and the third guy was a junior who was out with a broken jaw and they all just all four of these guys came together and they work like they've been a unit for five years so to me that really is impressive how well they work together uh then we had okada mirafuji and yano versus bad luck folly tamatonga and your boy tango Lao. Uh, the Loal did nothing as usual. I really <laughs> was he even in the match. Like, I honestly don't remember him at all in the match. I don't understand. I remember him barking at Okada and Okada being like, all right, <laughs> did you catch that at the beginning? No, I didn't actually. Oh, if you ever, if you, and I don't know what would possess you. Don't do this. But anybody who notices, do not go back and watch this. But <laughs> Tango comes out. And, like, he walks by Okada, and he kind of, like, lunges at him and, like, growls or, like, hisses or does something weird. And Okada just has a look like he doesn't, like, react in any way. He doesn't, like, dart out of the way. Okada just looks at him. And then Tagawa just goes and, like, screams. And it's just, like, the best. It's an awkward moment. Yeah, it's like Okada just being like, no, I'm not going to sell that. Like, no, keep walking. Like, I'm not going to be scared of that. Like, no, just move on. (laughs) Like. Like, imagine, that's like Captain New Japan, like, lunging at, uh, like, Mirafuji and Mirafuji getting out of the way. Like, no, it's just, like, that, he just looked at him. That, like, would, no. that would at least be funny. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this wasn't funny. It was just sad. Nothing it was funny like... about Tangaloa, who is completely in over his head on this roster. He's not of New Japan quality. And it, it's, and this, this was just a match. I mean, this was a backdrop to set up Okada's challenges or call outs, as they are, of Marafuji and, and Bad Luck Fale, which are two guys that he's going to defend against. Uh, presumably coming up. Um, we don't know what order. We don't know who's going to get the first title. I, well, I guess Mar- Marafuji because they spent more time on him than they did on Folly. But who who knows? These are two guys who beat him in the G1, and Okada basically told both of them that he wants to avenge the losses at some point. So that that was the whole point of this match. It, the match was a, was a backdrop for what happened afterwards. There was really nothing to talk about in terms of the match. Uh, now, the title matches coming out of the G1. So we have Okada, the, the champion. He lost to Fale and Marafuji. Uh, Marafuji looks like, like you said, there, there was clear indications that Marafuji was going to be the next guy. Uh, he's going to face even called him out after the match. So I don't know when, the, we, like, we don't know when that's going to happen, but that looks like the first one, at least in my mind. Uh, so that's really cool. And then, they, of course, they had uh, Ishii um, 
and Okada as well. But yeah, I don't know if they're going to go to that one right away. They might keep that one in the holster for a little while, right? Because I, I feel like Folly and, and Marafuji gives them enough to kind of. I feel. I feel like out, right? you might never get that one. I feel like that yeah. might have just been, uh, you know, a match that he had to lose another one for the points or what. I, I don't. I don't know that. That's, yeah, I guess with the same stable and stuff, that it's a little weird. Yeah, that might not. It, it didn't seem as profound as the Folly and, and Marafuji losses, where that was obvious that those are going to lead to title matches. I mean, so. every time a champion loses, it doesn't always mean that guy always gets a title shot i, I don't right i don't get a, the feeling at all that ishii's getting a title shot off of that uh elgin he lost to evil naito nakajima and yano do you see him getting any of those title shots or who, who is he gonna face then uh i see title well, i think evil is facing shibata right or, or unless shibata is going to be tied up with the noah thing in that case then yeah look elgin can face any of those guys you know what i mean and then they can be you know, second or third from the top on any of the three uh, destruction shows. So any, I think any of those are a possibility. Yeah, and Naito looks like one of the first ones coming up too because they did a little thing uh, as well on that yeah. one show. So yeah, I, I think it's going to go to Naito first, and then we'll see and where he, it goes. He could lose that match. I mean, yeah, he absolutely could. Yeah, but I, I like Elgin's in a really good spot right now. I hope they kind of keep it on him because he's a fun little IC champion. I don't know. He's like this. He, he's really cool. Like you said, I think it, what you mentioned right there is that he can face a Yano and it makes sense, and he can face a Nakajima and it makes sense, and he can, he he can just go different levels, and that's what I like about the IC title. He's not like he has to be only against upper mid-card guys. Like, he can kind of work a bunch of different guys, and that's kind of cool. I also feel like he got the title accidentally because of the Tanahashi thing. And it's interesting because you know how meticulous the long-term planning is in this company. They sort of had to rip up the script. So who knows what's happening with this title? Uh, the bottom line is whoever has it um, by the time 1-4 rolls around is where it was meant to be at the, be- at, you know, at the beginning of the whole uh, storyline or whatever. Uh, and then Shibata, never champion. He lost to Evil, of course, which we said will probably be the, the number one feud if Shibata isn't getting tied up. Or uh, he also lost to, uh, he's got Elgin in there as well, Hanma and Yano uh, as well. as Yeah, see, ones, but... again, I don't see, like, guy, like he already dispatched of Hanma. He beat him. He threw... Right, that's done. Yeah. And I don't... Yano's weird, too. Yano like that. holds a title in Noah. So, again, these are situations where it, it doesn't always guarantee title shots for people just because they win a match. Yano just got one of his fluke wins, did his fucking struggle and got the hell out of there. I don't think he wants a fucking uh, never title shot you know, in, <laughs> right. in kayfabe. You know what I mean? He wants to go back to Noah and defend his tag team titles. So really the only one I see there is, is evil because I don't think they're going to do a title versus title deal. Uh, and Omega, he lost to Elgin, Shibata, and Yoshihashi. Who do you see him uh, defending his uh, number one contender spot? Uh, obviously, he, he, they set up Yoshihashi already and then yep. potentially Elgin after Elgin. If Elgin loses like to Naito... You know, then you can do Elgin going after the case or something like that. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't see him having a match with Shibata, though, for the case. Absolutely. All right. Anything else with the G1, or do you want to get to SummerSlam weekend here? And I, 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 I think we covered everything. I mean, Hour and 40 minutes of straight G1 talk. I think, I think we did cover it. So uh, we'll get to SummerSlam weekend here. I do want to let people know that, again, this episode I did mention is sponsored by Lyft. Uh, Lyft.com slash bonus. It's like Voices of Wrestling. You get a $500 bonus for signing up for Lyft and driving for them and all that other good stuff. We are also sponsored this week by Casper Mattress. 
And we mentioned Casper Mattress uh, last week and a few uh, weeks prior. But uh, award-winning sleep surfaces, award-winning mattresses, uh, free shipping and return to the United States and Canada. And best of all, I think the best thing, no doubt, is that you can try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. They will deliver it. You can try it out in your house. 100 nights. If you don't like it, they will pick it up and they will refund you everything. They will pick it up and refund you everything. If you don't like it after 100 nights, which is a plenty of nights, to decide if you want that mattress or not. They are confident, and we are confident that you are going to like it, though. Uh, but, yeah, you can uh, save uh, $50 off your next mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash VOW and using our exclusive promo code VOW. It's casper.com slash VOW and our promo code VOW. Again, you can try it 100 nights risk-free in your own home. And Joe is flushing a toilet in the background. I, uh... I unmuted the mic a little early there. So. <laughs> you have the longest. I, have you get that thing fixed, man? I, I'll never forget. Your mother said I needed a new ball cock, and I lost. The yes, game. yes, right. She sent me an Amazon link for she it. She said Joe Lanza needs a new ball cock, <laughs> and I like. You know, that's just. I. I mean, how is that not hilarious? I mean, I got that's I got Creech's mother yeah. telling me I need a ball cock. You know, it doesn't it doesn't get any embarrassing. It never ends. It just flushes forever. And where so you aren't aren't you in a room like right off your kitchen? I am um well today I happen to be in my living room. Normally I record either well, I record all over the house. Sometimes the den, sometimes I record um like standing up in the dining room. I have like a I got one that's, of those, okay. I thought you were always in the dining room. That's what yeah, I was that's where you were. that's the room near the kitchen. Like, all right, so when you walk into Casa Lanza, right? Um, I'm just trying to figure out where the toilet is relative to all right, the other I'm, I'm explaining to you when you walk okay, when do. you walk into the front door, the bathroom is to your immediate right. Okay, it's one of those. Okay, and then like you're in the living room, right? And then there's like I have one of those like wall dividers with like where it's an open gimmick where there's like a hole in the wall where you can like then on the opposite end of that is the dining room. So sometimes I'm recording from the dining room, standing, you know, with the equipment in the divider. Because I could still see the Reds game on the TV from there in the living room. See what I'm saying? But the point is, when you hear that toilet, you can hear that toilet whether I'm recording from the dining room or the living room. Because it's so loud. Because as your mother noted, I need a ball cock. I think Rich is taking a piss now. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm still here. I'm still I, that here. was sneaky. You got me to describe the layout of my home. While you while you snuck, no, that would actually have been a very good idea. I did not. I stayed right here and I was. I, I read a text message that the nurse sent me. So how, that'd been a really good idea to pee though. But I, I I'm not close enough. How, uh, my, how often do you sneak in a piss during one of my long diatribes? Uh, during the in my apartment days, met uh, very often. Now it's way too far. I, I there's no way I could do it. Yeah, I, I snuck off for that Casper ad. I got to be honest. Uh, That's fine. I heard it, but it's good. Casper.com/slash/vow. <laughs> we're still in the read. Okay, off. we are. No, we're never ending. It, it never really ends ever. But uh, yeah, so let's get to SummerSlam weekend here and start with Evolve sixty six. And and if you haven't already, uh, VoiceWrestling.com, Taylor Mitchell did an incredible review, uh, a preview rather, uh, of Evolve sixty six and the entire Evolve weekend and everything that's going on in Evolve too. So if you're just kind of parachuting in, you're not quite sure what's going on. Coupled with those awesome documentaries that they're doing, the they do these great mini docs on on YouTube that just do a great job of telling the story of what's going on in Evolve, and it's always like it focuses on one guy, so it'll tell you you know Timothy Thatcher's story or whatever, and and Matt Riddell's story or whatever. 
whatever. It's just really, really good stuff. So absolutely go look at those. Go read that preview if you're just jumping into the show. And even if you know what's going on in Evolve, I still think those uh, the preview is just going to do a great job of getting you up to speed on everything you need to know about this Evolve weekend. Because it's a huge weekend for them. Like on paper, I was doing previews for these and looking at these and going, man, these are really, really great shows from the Evolve brand all weekend. I think there's two big keys for the Evolve weekend. And there's a million great matches. I mean, we can go on and on about the matches. This is a mat. This is a company with tremendous match quality. I think the two key points that we should probably talk about are one: uh, this is a key weekend for Timothy Thatcher and where his story goes. We all know he has not had a good year. The most staunch Timothy Thatcher defenders will tell you he has not had a good year, and this storyline has has been dragged on and on and is not very good. So what happens with Timothy Thatcher? Does he finally have a couple of great matches here? Do they take the title off him? In my opinion, I know what I would do. I'm going to get your opinion in a minute to see what you would do. And the second big key here to look at with the Evolve shows, the second big theme, is the debut of Cody Rhodes on the indie scene. These are his first two matches out of the gate. And for better or worse, right or wrong, fairly or unfairly, this is going to set the tone for the rest of his indie run. If he goes out there and lays a couple eggs... You know, it's people are going to get on him if he goes out there and has great matches. You know, people are going to praise him and overrate him. So this is a big. It's going to. This is a set the tone weekend for Cody Rhodes, and it's a huge weekend for Timothy Thatcher. Let's go. Um, let's go match by match here for Evolve sixty six. We'll start with them. Um, and again, the, the overarching stories with Evolve. And again, it's mentioned in the preview. But you have you know Catchpoint versus Timothy Thatcher, which we'll talk about in the main event. That's kind of the the, the big thing with that. The last part of, of catch point but then you have Matt Riddell who's not really quite in catch point so it's a, it's a really interesting thing there too and then you also have like team evolve team you know wrestling versus like team tv wrestling team wwe slash tna slash you know it, it, really cool stuff so they have two like kind of coherent stories going around along along with this other just bigger th- stories going on involved they're, they're really they're firing on all cylinders right now it's a really fun pr- promotion so if you're looking for something to do and you're not quite sure what weekend or what shows to watch this weekend really the evolve shows i think are going to be fantastic shows all around but we'll start out with evolve 66 uh tracy williams freddie a high versus jigsaw and peter casa not much to break down there uh, other than i mean freddie a has I, I really enjoy his work peter casa i love and jigsaw is great and tracy williams is fine so it, it, it's that's gonna be great i mean every every match we're gonna list here is basically gonna be good, there's, there's right? nothing like, on these shows that, that right like that i'm not gonna say it anymore like i'm just gonna list the match because everything's gonna be good so don't worry it should about be it. good like, so, right. so, yeah, and that's just that should be a hot little tag match on the undercard, absolutely. Uh, Dustin, all caps Dustin versus Ethan Page. Another cool story with Ethan Page, who's trying to win back the fans of Evolve after kind of coming in and immediately, you know, setting a tone by turning on Johnny Gargano and being a real dickhead, and now he's kind of trying to be the good guy and trying to be Team Evolve, but it's a cool little story because, you know, he's reached the main events real quickly in Evolve, and now he's kind of back, and he's kind of working his way back up, trying to build up his trust. So, yeah, this is a really cool one, uh, again, with Dustin slash Chuck Taylor against Ethan Page. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, two Cruiserweight Classic Spotlight matches. TJ Perkins versus Cedric Alexander. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, I, there's just nothing to add. If That's they want be. to, they can tear the fucking house down and have the match of the night. Uh, Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese, one that, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of iffy on Nice, uh, iffy on Gulak, so we'll see there. But I, I, I still think that they're going to do a pretty good job there. I, I, as well, that might be. It's probably the worst match on the entire card, but that's not really you know relative. That's not bad. Yeah, because it'll <laughs> like, still be three stars. You know, it's, right? Exactly. 
Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Zack Sabre, as you mentioned, this is him right out of the gates. Uh, Cody Rhodes gets Zack Sabre, and it's it's going to be a real telling because if you have a bad match with Zack Sabre, that's not easy to do. So it will say a lot about Cody Rhodes and his future there. Uh, but if he kills it, then, yeah, this is another guy that's just going to be a star in the indies if he, he goes out there and kills it with Zack Sabre. Look, I think Cody Rhodes comes off as a guy who's super motivated, and I think he's been watching tape. He, you know, He's telling people he's watching tape. He's tweeting out that he's watching tape. Um, he knew the right people to request matches with when he made his uh, little list deal, which I thought was brilliant marketing. I thought that was a brilliant marketing job. He had promoters tripping over each other to set up those matches and get him booked against those people. Um, I think he's motivated, and I, I think he's going to do excellent this weekend, and I think he's going to have an excellent indie run as well. I don't think Cody Rhodes, I think he's smart enough to not go in there against Zack Sabre Jr. and start grabbing chin locks, you know, like he's wrestling uh, Titus O'Neil on Superstars. I don't see him doing that at all. I think he's uh, way too smart for that. I think he's motivated. I think he has something to prove. And I think the, what he's, he, he, the whole purpose of this indie run is to show people that I am a great wrestler and this company was holding me back character-wise and in the ring, and I'm going to show all you fuckers, every one of you, Starting with Voices of Wrestling. I'm going to show <laughs> every one of you fuckers. I'm not kidding about that. No, that's actually he can't, he can't stop bringing us up. I mean, he went on Aubrey's goofy show that nobody watches anymore, by the way. Check the numbers. And and brought us up again. He's talking about us approaching him for autographs. <laughs> okay. First off, he said we. I have never met you, Joe. So we have never done anything. We've never met. We've never been right, in the same so. fucking state at the same time. His, his <laughs> new story is that we approached him while he was eating for an autograph <laughs> i don't do that okay and that's another thing too i have been like and, and i pride myself on that i have ridden in elevators i have been at restaurants with athletes like nba like guys that i love and i i don't do a thing because i i feel horrible for those guys yeah i've been in multiple elevators I, I have been in elevators with like numerous nba stars at hotels and haven't said a word to them i know man and you know where i because stand. that's not and let alone eating like that i i hate when people do that. i know it's it's utterly ridiculous you know i'm not a fucking star <laughs> sniffer. i'm not into that shit i don't give a shit i don't get starstruck with anybody i don't care um so i mean you know i you know he's obviously full of shit but he's st- listen here's the bottom line with cody he's still pissed because we made fun of his chin locks three years ago and that stardust um uh gold dust match that remember and that the whole thing that started this you know and he was very sensitive to that and um, you know, he still annoyed at us for that. He's still gotten to we may have precipitated all of this. <laughs> so it's thank you. You're welcome. He might be the reason that it, that, that he fucking is is doing all I mean, shit. If he can make up stuff, so can I. I mean, we motivated the guy. But I, well, let's go with that. Let's I'm gonna edit the part where we say we think and we'll just say we we are the impetus of him doing this. So congratulations. So nice job um, by us. You know, we'll play the clip back. We'll play the clip back again. And in a few years, when he after this year, when he kills it on the Indies, we'll play that clip back of us saying we started, you know, thank you. And so, yeah, that'll work. Aubrey and Cody Rhodes, two guys who love us, huh? That must have... Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a powerful couple. <laughs> you could add a couple other people to that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, it would really only take, like, two other guys, and you could really just have the entire thing, would like, you, the entire, would like... Brandon Stroud while you're at it? Just that, like, sure. That's one of them, so there you go. Uh, then. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, uh, so, and then uh, the main event. So, um, you know, Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle. Now, my feelings on this, Rich, and I, I don't know where you stand on this, I firmly believe Matt Riddle should win the title and win this match. The story doesn't work for that, but you kind of, I think you have to change the story now. Why not? Why doesn't the story work? 
Because the story is Timothy Thatcher sort of, I guess, okay, so he leaves the title in the middle of the ring. That's the sort of thing is that he wants to one by one take down the the members of Catchpoint and, and kind of bring prestige back to the title. If he just ends up losing, then it kind of puts Timothy Thatcher in a weird spot. So that's, you know what I mean? Like he said, okay, I'm going to defeat all you guys and, 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 and put this title back on the pedestal it deserves to be on or whatever. Like that's his thing. He hasn't had the title because he wants to win it back. He wants to earn it back and do that sort of thing. So if he just goes and loses to Riddell, it, it's kind of a, it, it's a, it, 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 where does it leave Thatcher? Which I, I agree. Like storyline wise in a vacuum, I would say, no, the story absolutely says, cause I'm, I agree with you that I think Matt Riddell should win, but I'm saying in a vacuum, if you're trying to tell that story, the story kind of works better if Thatcher wins that title and he kind of brings prestige back. And then, you know, somewhere down the line, he loses it. But it's been such a colossal failure, I think, that story, and, and, and Thatcher's had such a, 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 a just a really middling year that you kind of have to go with Riddell, who's one of the hot hands right now Rid- in the company. He's been winning left and right, Look, too. Riddle's the hottest guy in the company. He's the most yeah. over guy in the company. Put the fucking title on him. This is a big weekend. You. And then he faces Tommy End the next night, right? Riddle does. That's the perfect opponent. You could have Riddle beat Thatcher here. Okay, and then you could put Thatcher on a redemption story after that. Here's a guy who catch point took him apart. They took his title. Now they've taken his title, and now he's on this mission to beat every one of these fuckers one by one, just like he said he was going to do anyway. But now it's to climb back to get his title. You can easily adjust that story. Yeah, the problem is he's already done that climb though. Yeah, I guess so. so. That, I guess so. Yeah, it, it just seems weird. Like, I, I, I 100% agree with you. But in a vacuum, if I just said, okay, if I just wrote it on a piece of paper and crowd reactions and match quality wasn't a thing, it would make all the sense in the world that Thatcher wins this. He becomes the new, you know. And, and it works a little bit with what happens in Evolve 67, too. That's why another reason why I think that they might still just have Thatcher win because Gulak's been wanting his title shot forever and he has never gotten it or whatever. So it kind of works better if Thatcher's the champion there. But I agree with you. I would say, okay, look, let's look at this and look look at where Riddell is. Look where the, the, the arrow's pointed for both these guys. Go with the hot hand. You know, what good do you have just giving that title back to Thatcher? It's just not working with him You're right now. You're making too much sense and you've talked me out of it. Damn it, sorry. But I, I, me personally, I'm calling an audible. Riddle's the most over guy in the company. I'm putting the title on him right now. No, I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I'm right there. I would do. And that. I'm going with Riddle. I really would. And and yeah. and and the thing, you know, it's it's you know. Well, what's cool about him too? I, I don't want to interrupt, but he's not technically in Catchpoint either. He's kind of a man on his own. I, like he kind of uses Catchpoint to help him, but that's another story too. He can just as easily go, yeah, I don't need you guys fucking help. And then he's got a whole, you know, bunch of matches coming up there. So you can tell this story with Riddle very well. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the route that I would go. Um, but you've talked me out of it, and I don't think they're going to do that. The, the, the thing with Thatcher is, and, uh, you know, look, look, man, I was in Dallas, and there, he was like the 10th most over guy in the company. Like, d- d- people don't, he's had bad matches, and people are starting not to care about him. And they're not really caring about this story. And he's, it's not like he's getting, okay, you're in Dallas. That's a WrestleMania crowd. They're there to see, you know, maybe it just wasn't his crowd. But it's not like he's getting great reactions in their own markets either. He hasn't been over this year. And the match quality hasn't helped. Now, I want to get into a discussion because I thought we had some uh, points talking privately earlier in the day about Thatcher in the bigger picture. You had an interesting theory. We have differing opinions on why Thatcher has had this subpar year, which I think everyone agrees he's had a subpar year. I don't think you're going to get much dissension on that. My personal opinion uh, is that uh, when he first came to Evolve, he was a novelty. Evolve was still in the dying days of Dragon Gate USA with your 
uh, AR Foxes and your Ricochets and your Yuhan Nations and your Johnny Garganos and people like that on the way out. And your Thatchers and your Gulaks and your Biff Busicks were on the way in. And, and the style was a novelty. And Timothy Thatcher was sort of the flag bearer for the style. Now that Evolve has sort of brought in a bunch of guys who can do that style, but with the added extra of guys who are more versatile, who can do other things as well, like your TJ Perkins and your uh, go up and down the roster. Tracy Williams, yeah, Zach Saber, Tracy Williams, Saber Zach it, Saber, yeah. Fred Yehi. These guys are all just as good as Thatcher with the wrestle fuck or with the grapple fuck. I forgot my own catchphrase with the grapple fuck, but they also do other things well and they can adjust and work other styles. I feel yeah. like the roster is so good that Thatcher has simply been left behind. I don't know if he's necessarily, uh, you know, he's just, he, he's just being outshined by superior talent. Uh, and, and I think that's been a big thing here. Everyone else is more charismatic and, and they're more versatile as workers than this guy. He's no longer a novelty. I think there is absolutely that. Yeah, and my, my sort of working theory is, is similar to that because there wasn't a discussion of, you know, has his match quality reduced in the past year? Has, what has happened? Why, and why is a guy in 2015 who had so many great matches now in 2016 doesn't have any good? And, and I thought that simply goes down to the fact that he's just, yeah, I, I think it's a novelty thing like you said. And I think it's also just hype surrounding him is that there was something new and something different and something exciting about a Timothy Thatcher match in 2015 because it was so different. But he's never evolved past that. Any t- close your eyes in any Timothy Thatcher match is exactly the same, regardless of who he's facing, regardless of what he's doing. Whereas, like you said, you have those guys like a Yehi, like a Zack Sabre, who can come in, who can do that style and do it well, but they can, it, depending on who their opponent is, they can sort of adapt their styles, do different things. I really think the difference of Timothy Thatcher is just hype. That I don't know that the in-ring has changed all that much from him from 2015 to 2016. I just think the people that were were carrying his flag and going, oh my god, this guy's the greatest, oh my god, have basically just jumped off because they're like, alright, well, there's nothing... There's no next level to him. What you saw is what you got. You got the peak of Timothy Thatcher in 2015, and that's all he's been. I don't think he's went down at all. I just think he's the same guy that he was last year, but that's not, people want news. People want different. People want to see an evolution of his character, an evolution of his in-ring, and that was it. Like You saw the most of him, and that's, I think, a hype thing because you don't, you don't hear those same things about Timothy Thatcher matches. Like I don't honestly – I've watched pretty much every Timothy Thatcher match over the last three years in Evolve and WN or whatever – and I don't think they've changed all that much. I think the difference is when those matches were over in 2015 and people would laud him as, oh, my God, what a technical display. And, oh, my God, Thatcher's done it. Now they're just like, oh, yeah, it was the Timothy Thatcher match. It was the same Timothy Thatcher match we've seen. And that's the thing that happens. Like, I, don't, I really just don't think the in-ring has changed all that much for him. I just think the hype surrounding him and the lack of evolution has really done him in in 2016. I don't think it's anything that he's done in terms of in-ring, and I don't think he's gotten worse or whatever. It's just I, I, I just think that is bigger than anything. It's just that, yeah, the variety, you've seen more of a variety in Evolve, and that just the hype around him is, is kind of gone, and the people that were really big into him, because there were a few important people in, in, in wrestling journalism and all that stuff that were real big into him that now you don't hear a peep out of them about Timothy Thatcher, because it's just, you know... He, I, I don't know. He's so just we not have, the guy. He's not the end guy. You know right what? Now we have very similar theories then, because I just kind of think the rest of the, ro- the ro- he's not a novelty anymore, and that's sort of what you're saying too, because we're seeing other people who can do what he can do. But guess what? They bring other things that they have other tools. Right. That tools. was my argument. That was my argument last year, even even in 2015 with Thatcher. And people say, you know, I said, well, the Thatcher style match is old to me. I I get bored by it. 
And people say, well, what's, what's style? What are you talking there, There's no style. And I said, yes, look at it. Every match he has with any opponent, regardless of who it is, is all the same. He has one match in my entire life that I've seen at Tiffany Thatcher over the last three years that felt different. It was that Chris Hero match at last year's WrestleMania. That felt different. Hero, there was, there was a little bit more combat to it. It was a little bit more of a fight feel. The rest of Thatcher's things are just the same he, I mean, he, he faced Marty Scroll and had a boring Timothy Thatcher style match with Marty Scroll. You know what I mean? He tried. That was Dal- you talking about the Dallas one or the Florida yeah? Like, one? how do you do that? Like, you brought that guy in and you sucked him into your abyss. He tried, and, and that's and not he, easy to let do. Let me tell you like, something, Marty Scroll. That was one of the most fascinating carry jobs I've ever seen in my life, and I was sitting in the front row. Okay, he he. You know, I felt so bad for Scroll. Okay, Thatcher was getting no reaction from the crowd. His fucking shitty, dry ass grappling. Nobody cared. And Skrull had to bust out every trick in the book, whether it was gouging his eyes, stomping on his feet. Shit you saw in the 80s. You know, the fucking villain. He's the fucking villain. He had to pull all the villain tricks out of his playbook just to get the crowd back into the match. And that was an important match in the Evolve storyline because he won that match with the chicken wing on Thatcher's weakened arm. Okay, uh, you know, and and then uh, to set up the title match, which he just had a couple weeks ago, that that Thatcher won, so that was a big time match, and Thatcher was blowing that one too. And in Dallas, he was like the tenth most over guy in the company. Th- this dude is the champion, and this feels like a company that doesn't have a champion or doesn't have a title because the champion is the least interesting person in it. Get <laughs> and this. he also doesn't have the title ever. Yeah, <laughs> he get, also gave up the title. Get yeah. the fucking title off of this bum. Put it on the hottest wrestler in the company, and let's do some business. I mean, for God's sake, Timothy Thatcher is old news, and the guy hasn't adjusted. This is why, to me, he's one of the three people to watch on this entire weekend. This is a very important weekend for him. He needs to redeem himself. Him, Cody Rhodes, and I'll get to my third guy later, are the three guys I have my eye on in this weekend. I'll tell you who it is. It's Randy Orton, but we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, That is a big weekend for Thatcher. He's got a lot to prove. Uh, I'll tell you. So Evolve 67, which is Saturday afternoon. Yeah, let's go to the, that card here. Uh, Tony Nese, Peter Casa, Tommy Ann, Matt Riddell, as you mentioned, that could get some extra stakes, depending on what hell goes on with the Evolve uh, 66. As I mentioned, uh, Cruiserweight Classic Spotlight Match, Zack Sabre, Cedric Alexander. I was there live at AEW between the uh, match between those two. And if it's anything like that, you are in store for a four and a half star match of those two. Just incredible stuff from both of those. Uh, the match, one of the matches I'm looking forward to most this entire weekend, Drew Galloway, Ethan Carter III, and Dustin, all caps, versus Tracy Williams, Fred Yehi, and TJ Perkins. You have Catchpoint versus the, you know, the Team TV. The Team, you know, TV Wrestling or whatever. Just a really cool story that they've been telling there, and that's going to be just an incredible match with a ton of heat. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Chris Hero. Again, Chris Hero and Zack Sabre. Like, they, Gabe gave him the... <laughs> This is the easiest pitch to hit out of the park. So I hope that Rhodes makes the most of it. Because, like, it's in 2016 to not have great matches with Hero and Zack Sabre, you really got to try. So I think Rhodes is going to kill it. We'll see. I hope he does. Uh, and then the main event, presumably, Timothy Thatcher defending his title if he still is champion, which Gabe, unlike Ring of Honor, does mention if, if Thatcher is still champion in the title versus Drew Gulak, who's been kind of begging for a title shot for a long time. A guy that kind of has a good story as well. Again, it, it kind of plays into the Timothy Thatcher's a chump thing, where Drew Gulak says, I beat you, and I, why don't I ever get any title shots? Like, why are you the guy that's in charge of this grappling thing when I beat you and I'm better than you? Like, it, it's, again, the Thatcher story is, if you really break it down, it's just like, oh, all right, like, there's nothing there. It's really, it's a novelty last year, but yeah, he's kind of lost a little, 
everything. But yeah, cool little cool story there with Evolve sixty seven. So and Joe, listen, we screamed about Grapple Fuck when it started to rear its head that it was going to have no legs as a long term thing, and people were and that these guys were going to have to adjust and bring something. Yeah, it lasted about team. what eight months tops. And we, and we said <laughs> if these guys didn't adjust their style, there's no way that this was going to catch on beyond a very very tiny niche, and we were absolutely right. And you're seeing the proof as the guy who hasn't adjusted has been left in the dust. All right, let's move on to Ring of Honor here. They got their uh, Death Before Dishonor show up on Friday, which uh, is available on uh, Standard Pay-Per-View, uh, Fight TV, uh, PlayStation Network, and if you live in Japan, on New Japan World. Streaming live on New Japan World. Yeah, so don't get, don't get excited when you log into your New Japan World and you see that they're airing the pay-per-view because if you read the fine print, you are going to be region-blocked if you live in North America. Now, if you're one of our Japanese listeners, enjoy the show. But if you're in North America, much like the CMLL shows, uh, it's region blocked and you're not going to be able to watch it for $9 at the high right. discount rate of not Now, that's not to say they won't upload the matches later because they've been doing that for Ring of Honor pay-per-views uh, that New Japan Talent is involved in. So uh, savvy fans who have New Japan World have sort of just waited it out uh, you know, a week or two. And they've gotten to see these pay-per-views for 9 bucks. There's no guarantee they're going to upload these matches, but that's been the pattern recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, savvy fans might also find another way to uh, live in different countries. Rich, as I've, said, <laughs> as I've said many times, I am not a, I, I do not wear an eye patch. I do not have a parrot, and I uh, I pay for my wrestling, sir. But if you'd like to uh, hop on a plane and travel to Japan on Friday, uh, you can you can do that, and you can watch watch it for nine dollars. Uh, for nine dollars. So let's go to the uh, the card here. Uh, the opener, which I assume is the opener, they're listing as the opener, and I hope it is because it will just blow the doors off this entire pay per view. Leo Rush, Jay White, Donovan Dijak, Kamatachi for the World TV Title Number One Contenders. We talked a little bit about this last week, but that has the capacity if they give it the time to just be an incredible show stealing match right off the gate, or, or right out, right out or of the that. opposite. Oh, if they don't give it time and they just go out there and do wacky spots, that's fine too. So, yeah, Dijak should win though. Um, there's no- he should, yeah, yeah. It makes more sense for Dijak to win, of course. So Dijak's been on uh, fire. He's had some really good TV. Yeah, he, he's good. He's getting good. Uh, like I, I, he's a guy who took a little while for me to kind of get or understand. He's good. He's solid, and I hope that they do a little bit more with him in Ring of Honor. He's definitely a guy. Uh, Jay Diesel, <laughs> uh, the guy he was kind of running with for a long time, or a guy that he kind of came up with at the same time. Uh, not so much. And I love tell, the Moose match of- that that was on TV a few weeks ago. The blow off for Moose there, the, the Dijak Moose match was excellent. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jay Briscoe, Hangman Page. I, it's a match. <laughs> yeah. no, I, you know, it, it'll have more heat than it did in Sumo Hall. That is absolutely true. All right. Rocky Romero, Beretta, and Toro Yano. Toro Yano making his uh, North American debut, or at least his Ring of Honor debut, versus the Bullet Club team of Yujiro, Tamatanga, and your boy, Tama Tonga Luau. He's back. I mean, this has a chance to be real bad. Um I think it's gonna be real. You kind of hope they just do. I, does it have a chance? Does it have a chance to be good? Because I don't think it's. No, the, the the ceiling for this is they do a lot of comedy, right? Because you that's, got some good Yano comedy guys in there. That's, that's Rocky the, Romero is a good comedy. Beretta, th- that whole team is a good comedy team. Um, if they go out there they, and try to have a serious match, it's gonna fall. Look, Yano's coming to Ring of Honor for the first time. He's gonna do his routine. Yeah, Dave is Dave is upset. Dave Meltzer is obsessed with how he's gonna be able to do his turnbuckle thing. 
with them having the, the three turnbuckles instead <laughs> yeah. of like, he talks about it on the radio and then he wrote about it in the observer. He's like upset, like I don't know how Toriano's gonna do his turnbuckle thing. Like, how is he gonna do it? Like, I, like he'll find a way. Like, maybe he won't do that. He'll do something else funny. Like, he, like he's obsessed with that. Like, oh, I don't know, he's gonna be able to do the turnbuckle. He thing. might <laughs> do the water bottle gag, or he might. Tie right, the- he's got other things that he could do something <laughs> tie else. Tie guys to the barricade, or how about this? How about it just takes him a little longer to undo all three of them? He does all three. Yeah, that, I mean, I mean, even the long pad, you have to untie three different things, right? I, I, he's obsessed with it. It's everywhere. <laughs> the tapes I'm, I just can't get by it. So that's hey, uh, you're obsessed with Yoshitatsu's spine buster, and that sucks. But it Dave, sucks. Dave is obsessed with this. We all get obsessive sometimes, you know. I'm obsessed right. with twenty three year olds in yoga pants. You know, we all get obsessed, right? Yeah, that's that's. Your wise years the best of all those. Hey, listen, I'm I'm a hell of a guy. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Pro wrestling's last real man, Silas Young, Nacho Lanza. Silas Young versus, uh, he is misspelled on the Ring of Honor website, but it's Katsuyori Shibata. They have Katsuyori Shibata. But oh, that, that was a copy-paste job on our run sheet here? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're, I did you're not blaming know. this on New Japan? Uh, no, uh, I can type that. No, that is one of the ones I always get right. After doing the, the e-book enough times, I got Katsuyori, I got uh, Nakajima's first name right. Um, so Ring of Honor doesn't two. know this guy's name. No, they're, they've they're calling him Kesuyori Shibata. Well, that makes a lot of sense. These yep. are two manly men, though. I'll tell you, this is a manly match. You know, so people are pissed. So Silas is better. <laughs> He's got to step it up because if Silas just has like an okay match with Shibata, man, there is going to be some hell to pay for him. And the idea was that you can put Shibata in there with a a much better worker. Um, but we always have this discussion with Ring of Honor. People think it's 2006. Who? Who is this better worker that you're putting him in there with? I mean, look at this show. Like, Rich, where, find me the guy. Yeah, find a guy not in a title match. So, like, okay, so we, uh, okay, so we got you know Cole, Lethal, Briscoe, Fish. Those guys are out. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, like, who's this super worker that he's having this? You super have match Dalton with? Castle or Jay Briscoe. And it, and you're not going to do Jay Briscoe because that's two New Japan champions. There's, right. po- there's politics with Jay Briscoe. So we got Dalton Castle <laughs> and Donovan Dijak is who I got. Jay Briscoe's the guy. That's the obvious answer because he's in a nothing match. Well, I, no, that's not even true. They've had a feud going on. No, that grudge match is yeah. yeah there, there's something to that grudge match. It's not. It's not. Yeah, that's it's not a throwaway. Stuff. So it's like no. you know, but it's like they're both New Japan champions. New Japan would have a problem with that. So show me the match. That's the problem. People think Ring of Honor has a has a better roster than it really does, and that's what comes into play in these situations. All right, Naito and Evil. Oh, sorry, I, I skipped Okada versus Dalton Castle. Well, it'll be a lot of fun, right? With the boys. They, they made sure to let you know that the hey, boys will be Hey, you know what? There. There's your answer, Rich. Swap opponents. You do Okada versus Silas Young, and you do Shibata versus Dalton Castle. I, just, I, I did just mention that. That'd be yeah, pretty great. So you swap, but you could swap the opponents because I think Okada versus Silas Young works too. So, I, you know, as best it can, you know, I, I don't know. It just The bottom line is Ring of Honor does not have a great roster. That's the problem here. Uh, Naito and Evil versus Elegant and Tanahashi versus The Addiction. Oh, great. A three-way for tag team titles. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, right? That's doing a very good sell job on this uh, $30 pay-per-view, Joe. How about, uh, again, I was going to say how about Shibata Elgin, but again, you got two champions. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I look, I just, I. Again, make this pay per view. Book a Ring of Honor pay per view without New Japan talent. That, that is a fun a little scary game. Proposition. To play. Do that. Seriously, think about that. Yeah. You can't, like, it's, it's, Ter- telling. it's terrifying. It's, yeah. 
It's not good. Yeah, like really do that. Uh, World TV title, uh, Mark Briscoe uh, going for the title against Bobby I, Fish. I'm excited about that. I mean, I could yeah, Briscoe, Mark Briscoe's the best. He's so yeah. good. He doesn't get as much hype as Jay, but I love Mark. No, yeah, absolutely. And he's, and he's in a big spot here. He's finally got a big focus singles match. And uh, Fish is obviously a very worthy opponent. Um, so, you know, that, that, sh- that should be very good. And I, you know, so what, where is Kyle O'Reilly? What's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody asked us. Getting uh, something do you... obvious here, or what? No, he's. I don't know. I don't know. Is he at the uh, J Cup? He's not at the J Cup, right? Huh? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. The fuck is Kyle O'Reilly? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody asked us that, and I, I don't know. I think he's go. He's at the Field of Honor show too, but yeah, I don't All know. Right. I don't know. He's, uh, didn't, didn't find a spot for him on this card. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Adam Cole versus Jay Lethal, your main event. Uh, Jay Lethal, of course, the champion, defending against Adam Cole. Uh, you think Cole wins here? I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't even care. Well, they, I mean, I, they, the thing is, like, I'm down, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm down on lethal right now. We should have just not re- preview that show. That I actually, you know what's weird? Is I, I want to see this show, even though it doesn't sound like I want to see it. There's, I have a feeling a lot of these matches are going to be really good. The problem is I'm having, problem, I'm having trouble getting up for these matches. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not into Cole like other people are. I, yeah, I've never quite gotten. There's going to be people it. who aren't, don't like hearing that. I'm sorry, Mikey Falcone. I apologize. I know he's. Well, I'm like I'm like three years into like not really quite getting the I, Adam Cole. Thing. I apologize to Alan. I, you know, I just I don't. I'm not into Alan Cole, Adam Cole the way that other people are. I just I I'm not seeing what other people see. I'm with I'd you. I'd be happy to be proved wrong. I, I yeah I keep, I keep waiting I keep and then there's been a few matches here and there there's been a few little blips here a lot of them on you know Ring of Honor TV but I've yet to see like the overall like okay yeah he really killed it here okay yeah now I get Adam Cole because yeah he's just kind of he's fine but yeah he works he he's the perfect fit for this current Ring of Honor which is just like your 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 floor is is you know. Okay, but you're never gonna have great matches. He doesn't just have those blow away matches ever. I feel like Adam Cole would have struggled mightily for a push in like 2005 or 2006. Oh, certainly, yeah. I don't think he's at the level of all those guys. He, he reminds me of like what BJ Whitmer was at that point. You know, where it was like solid matches. The guy, no matter what who you put him against, he was fine. But he never, you knew that the guy was never just going to be like the top tier guy. And there was a few matches here and there where Whitmer would sort of pop up and and have something really good. But then like you'd come to the next card and he was just you know wrestling in the semi or you know and lower mid card or whatever. And it, it's fine. Like he was fine. He fit with the roster. But yeah, he was never like that sort of guy. I, I don't know. Yeah, I've never quite seen it with Cole either. So that makes our <laughs> our, our lovely preview of the Ring of Honor show. Uh, let's move on now to uh, NXT. Uh, the Brooklyn show. Did you watch the uh, NXT Go Home show at all? I haven't yet. No, I'm going to watch it after we're done here. You really? It's it's really just kind of promo videos. There's really nothing in ring that's going to get I you. Heard, hyped, I heard the Samoa Joe Nakamura pull apart was really good. Right, and that's what I want to tell you. It was it was kind of your standard fare for it. You know, Regal says, "Hey guys, don't get you know don't get pissed off." But it's 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 got that extra tension that that ring uh, or that sorry that NXT is so good at doing. Is that you kind of get this feeling that, yeah, you know what's going to happen. You know, these guys are going to, and they don't fight, they just kind of have a pull apart. But there's like this weird tension throughout. And it's like not everything is a polished answer. And Nakamura's English isn't perfect, but that's fine. And Joe kind of smirks at times and, and reacts to what Nakamura says. And it's not scripted lines. It's not like, 
we'll, we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but that Seth Rollins, Finn Balor thing on Raw, where it was like, you are the demon king and I am the architect. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't that. It felt like two guys in a room talking. And that, and that, that really helped me get pumped up for this match and really look forward to it. But uh, let's break down the card here real quick. Uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 2, of course, is going on Saturday. Uh, Ember Moon versus Billy Kay. Ember Moon making her debut. Of course, this is the uh, former Athena. Uh, you looking forward to her debut? Finally jumping yeah, in? Yeah, sure. I, I'm excited about any debut, particularly someone who um, has a great reputation on the indies. I'm going to make a lot of people mad again. I never really got Athena. Here's the thing with Athena. Like, I, here's the problem, too. I've seen her live, like, countless times. Because she wrestled a lot yeah, in Texas. Texas. Yeah, she's a huge Texas. Yeah. And maybe I just saw her on every bad night. But she always came off as someone who was loaded with potential, but was very, very sloppy. Yeah. The, the few times that I saw her live, I got that same vibe, too, that was like, yeah, you, you, you're going to be good at some point, but you're not quite there yet. She still didn't seem like she had everything together yet. So, I, yeah. Well, I, at I'm, the same time, I might be the anomaly because I'd go to these matches and people would just be going absolutely bonkers and ape shit over Athena. So, sure. But I just – she always came off sloppy to me. Um, now, one of those matches was against Veda Scott. Listen, you're off the hook. <laughs> but, but, you know – but I've seen her in a bunch of different matches with a bunch of different opponents, and and I just I, I don't know the, the potential is obvious, and you know the O face finish, which I'm sure she's not going to be calling it the O. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they um, might change. I'm that, not even but... sure she. I don't even know. Hopefully she she retains that, but it's it's a very hard move, and I've seen her blow it a bunch of times, and I, it would really be a shame if she had this big debut. And because it's not just you, your opponent really needs to be in the right place for that move. You, you're the success of that move heavily depends on your opponent as much as it does on the person executing it. So I, I'm going to be nervous watching that match because I want her to do well. I just I have a lot of question marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see they they throw, they have a vignette for her in this one too, and it's like she looks like she's a Mortal Kombat character too, which is kind of like they look like those Glacier promos from WCW. You no, know, it's not is- a great departure from her previous character where she was like the the goddess. I mean, right. It's not a big departure from that. Um, I, you know, I, I got to see it play out before I can judge it. But I will say this. There's a lot of women in NXT that have just been waiting for their turn who have great reputations. So we could be in for an excellent era of women's wrestling since we've had this little down period since the other group left. <laughs> the, 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 we'll call it the Carmella era. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Carmella Eva Marie era, which everyone wants to forget. Um, you know, we have this new group coming in that's been waiting their turn, and they all have excellent reputations. So we really could be in for a great period of uh, women's wrestling in NXT. Yeah, and you'll you'll see that if you watch the the Go Home NXT, is, they have a six man. Yeah, yeah, they have a six man with a bunch of the new women in there. You know, Liv Morgan's in there. Uh, unfortunately, Carmella's in there too. But you get an idea that okay, like there is a whole new batch that's ready to come here and really do some great stuff. Like so yeah, nineteen you, you, Australians. And there's a lot of Australians. Yeah, Billy Kay. Is she from Australia? I don't know what New Zealand, we're... Australia. Yeah, everyone's from New Zealand. That's like the hotbed of uh, NXT. Like half the roster is going to be from. <laughs> you got TMDK, you know, you know. So Billy K is from Australia. So please don't tweet at us. We know, we know, we know. Yeah. People will still tweet at us, which we get that all the time. Like you're wrong, and it's like just listen two minutes later. <laughs> we correct it in a bit. So just, just... but uh, the revival defending their NXT tag team titles against Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. This has been getting praised on the house show circuits for NXT, and I I have really high hopes that this is just going to be an incredible match. I have no, I see no reason why it wouldn't be. I think it'll be a great like match. Can't. 
Right. Yeah. Those guys are just too perfect. Revival, you know, some people love them more than maybe because I know you always kind of have to reel it in a little bit with them where people go nuts for them. But I think they're they're solid enough where you just know that they're going to they're they're just a really good classic tag team. Like, yeah, maybe people overrate how great they are. I think they're really good, but you just know that they're not going to go in there and have a stinker, especially not against Gargano and Ciampa. Like, it's going to be great. No, but- I just, look, I like them, and I think they're a great team. I just think um, I'm, I, I'd like to see them against teams that aren't as good as them or teams that, are, 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 that, that they're clearly the best team in the match and see them have the same quality of matches that they've had against American Alpha. This is not a good example because they're never against a great team. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know if their style, you know, if, you know when they have to, if, if they've got to carry, like, a couple of uh, you know homegrown NXT guys. I don't know if you're gonna they're gonna be out there pumping out their usual four star match. That's all. I when they face, face Ella Ring's crew, yeah, that, yeah. What's yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I whereas American I Alpha, I'm confident they're gonna have a great match against. Oh yeah, you, you see on SmackDown already. That's not a team that was just propped up by NXT. Like those guys are great already. Like that, that's yeah, they, they're a great team all around. I, I skipped No Way Jose versus Austin Aries. I apologize. That's a fun little feud. I guess. Did you, did you, <laughs> I the know. angle where Aries turned on him, where they were dancing on the table, and that was good. I I don't like No Way Jose though. Listen, I don't like No Way Jose either. But and I think that's uh, one of these. This is such a 2014 NXT character where it's a one note character that everybody goes nuts for at first, but you know that the fucking it's gonna wear real thin, real fast. Yeah, that, that's why I and, think and I'm, it, I, he came out of that. Or like, yeah, I like this the, the angle you're talking about, but ever since then, like every time I watch him, I'm just like, ah. It's very <laughs> obvious he'll die a quick death on the main roster, just like yeah. all those other char- one-note characters did. Um, but, you know, the, the week he debuts, like everyone has the No Way Jose avatars, and, uh, you know, and you just know it's going to wear out quickly. Um, but the, the angle was great. And listen, I, whenever I get business casual Austin Aries beating people up, I got no problem with that. He's like the, <laughs> his polo, his polo shirt. He's like the worst dressed, like relatively young man. Like he dresses like a grandpa. He wears like the short sleeve collared shirts, like the slacks. You know, he wears the slacks, and he's got like the flats. You know what I mean? Like Austin, you're like 35 years old. Get with the times. I mean, he dresses. He dresses like your creep. His polo shirts are also like way too small too. They always like they like end at like his like lower shoulder. Yeah, he raises his arms, like... and you can see his stomach. Like he he he, he dresses <laughs> like your grandfather. You know what I mean? He like you just know he smells like English leather and you feel it and you feel like he like he's sucking on like a Werther's original. You know, like you, you he's like your grandfather. He dresses like your grand you're like your grandfather or like your creepy uncle. You know, like he has the worst sense of style for a young man. I've never seen anything like it. But uh, I, but at the same time, I love it. Like he's out there in his, his, his grandpa business casual, you know, putting the boots to no way Jose. I mean, how can you not love that? Uh, move on now. Uh, oof, Bobby Roode, who uh, has had a fun little intro to NXT against the former La Sombra, Andrea Almas. Did you did you watch the promo that they had? No, I got to catch up this week, man. I haven't. <sighs> I haven't I... It was basically just Bobby Roode talking down Andrade. I, how, is it Andrade? I don't know how to pronounce it's it. It's La Sombra. But... La Sombra. So he basically talks down the unmasked La Sombra, and La Sombra does nothing. And then that's it. And it's just like, oh, all right. <laughs> like, it's like, here's the thing. Like, Rude's, like, challenging him. It's like, it almost felt like a shoot of, like, come on, man, do something. Do And, like, then they just cut. And it's like, oh, all right. Hey, well. Listen, we were, told, <laughs> we were told a long time ago that La Sombra, and look, we're not those guys who don't call guys by their new names, but this guy's name changes every fucking week, and I can't keep up. 
We were told months ago that La Sombra was having a real hard time adjusting to America and adjusting to NXT and adjusting to this ring style. None of this has been a shock to us that he has not done so well. He hasn't been a complete flop, but this was a guy who was a worldwide, enormous worldwide star and draw, and he just isn't working. It just isn't working. He's had a and, and, and by what you're describing, he just isn't conf- – they're not confident in his promo skills. Yeah, no. Yeah, he doesn't say a word, and, and Bobby Roode just talks him down. <laughs> you'll, you'll see when you watch the promo. It's, yeah. it's pretty startling. Well, Roode's got – look, I mean I think that um, Ty Dillinger almost did too good of a job with, with Almas because he outshined him, which wasn't – which you should not – which isn't his role. His role is to put the other guy over. Um, so we'll see what Rude does here, and depending on what direction they go, if he does a better job making Almas look good. It's a very interesting match on paper, though, to see how it plays out. Yeah, because you might want to just have Rude beat him, and then, like, Rude's, you know, moves on, and, like, and then where does Almas go from there? Yeah, it's, I got to very... tell you, I don't think it would be the worst idea to make Almas go away for about six months and bring him back with the mask as Lassant. Not at all. No, I think that would be a fantastic idea. Absolutely. I just people uh, don't realize it's the same guy. <laughs> like like your common fan like we're gonna know you know what i mean like right but like the normal person i mean honestly you could do it in like a month honestly you know what i mean like you can really make them go away and bring them back on the main roster with the fucking mask you know and just call them you know what i lost something else. yeah the insistence yeah the insistence on having him speak english and just be a, a normal it's really it and, and, all over it. and you'll see like the crowd's gonna turn on him too in Brooklyn, like they're going to be all in on Bobby Roode. You know, he's got that music and people love it. They're going to turn on Almas, and that's going to be the time where they go, okay, this is just not working with him. Yeah, you're right. So, that music, too. That's not, yeah. This, they're going to be, yeah, that's smart crowd. And he's not getting smart reactions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Almas is just getting like apathy from the full sale crowd. And he's going to be so, I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be telling where they're going to be backstage and really have to say, okay, whatever we're doing is just not working with this guy. Yeah. And it's a tough spot for Roode because he wants to be impressive. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is arguably the biggest. Well, he's, not CJ, he's not CJ Parker here. He's Bobby yeah. Roode. He's making his debut. He's like, nah, you know, like so. It's like, or his show debut. Yeah, he's, yeah he don't want to bend over for this guy. Yeah, he wants to be impressive. It's a fascinating match. It really is. Asuka versus Bailey. Asuka defending her championship against Bailey. What do you think happens here? Does uh, Asuka win again and Bailey moves on to the main roster, or does uh, Bailey get some revenge? It's a tricky one to call. I mean. It seems like, you know, booking logic would say this is where Bailey wins the title back because Asuka's gotten the better of her at every turn. But this is NXT, and people, you know, when you move them up, they, they, they do their job out of the territory, so to speak. So if they're going to move Bailey up, you'd have her lose again. Um, but I don't think they're moving her up yet. Why wouldn't you have just done that at the draft? So I think she wins the title back. Interesting. Okay. So then she, you, you have her going NXT then? Full time for a while until she's ready for the main well, roster. Well, am I am I missing a, a piece of? And I ready. I don't mean ready as in I know she's ready. Am I missing but, a piece of news that she's been moved up or? No, I mean she. Of course, she came out on Battleground or whatever, so she was there. But yeah, I think that's that felt like a one off to me. Okay, they haven't talked about her since, and I haven't. And you're not wrong. Yeah, and that that could be a, a just yeah. They needed something for a, you know one little pop or one little thing there, and and that was it. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I mean, uh, it's, it's just interesting. She loses, yeah, she's definitely getting moved up because. Asuka just very clearly won the feud, just like Samoa Joe very clearly won the feud over Finn Balor, right? 
Right. So, you know, again, I, I think she wins the title back, though. I don't. Yeah, because the way that she beat her, uh, the way that they, at WrestleMania weekend was such a it, that if Bailey doesn't get her win back, it almost seems like, oh, my God, like Oscar really just destroyed Bailey. You know what I mean? Right. Like she made her pass out. And, 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 I, know, and, and that, I know that means nothing when you move up. Because it's just a clean slate at that point, but it does kind of make her look real pretty bad if she gets done. Yeah, yeah. I think she was. It's not like she. It wasn't like she fought hard and just you know Oscar was just better on this night or whatever. Like Oscar destroyed her at Mania Weekend. So yeah, I don't know. The match I loved. I loved it. It was really good. Yeah. So Bailey has to at least like have some modicum of like because yeah, if she just loses, then it's just like all right, like you got you know you got destroyed and then you lost. It, it's I don't know, it's just the bad optics for for Bailey. So yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I think Bailey would have to win or or at least look really good in this match. Uh, and then we have the NXT Championship, Samoa Joe defending his title against Shinsuke Nakamura. Any chance Nakamura walks out with the title? Yeah, I think he is going to win. I think and I think they're going to have like three matches. It's going to be a long feud. You think they trade the title or Nakamura just wins it and he becomes the guy for a while? He could just win it and become the guy, but I don't think this is going to be the only match they have. They'd be, how can you not have Nakamura go over on this show in front of this yeah. crowd? You know what I mean? Like, and I love the Joe title run. I think Joe's been fantastic. But, I mean, fuck, this feels like a no-brainer to me. How do you have Nakamura not win this? I, I think he has to win. Yeah, it's hard to really go back from that. You know what I mean? Because then how does Nakamura then want his title? You know what I mean? Like, he can't then next month or, or in a few months go, yeah, can I get another title shot? Like, because Joe has been big on, like, you know, and, and you'll see in that promo, too, he mentioned that he hasn't get, he hasn't gotten a lot of respect as NXT champion. You know, nobody asked him if he wanted to face Nakamura. No one did that. Like, he, he goes on with that little thing. It's a really cool story, and I think it really works that if Nakamura beats him, then Joe can kind of say, oh, you know, you, you're doing all this stuff for Nakamura. You did all this. Like, he, he kind of sets the stage that he's been wronged as champion and not really respected as champion. So it works a lot better in that story versus Joe just beating Nakamura. And then it's like, all right, or well, like, what's the next step for Nakamura? Like now Nakamura just asks for another title shot. Like it doesn't work that no, way. Nakamura you know, has like, to win. I, I think so too. Yeah, I think. And again, you, you, you got well. your hottest guy in the company. You know, you put him. All, I know it's a little different with NXT, but I mean, you know, this feels like the right time, right? I mean, just yeah, fucking, oh yeah, just yeah, fucking yeah. do it. And I love Joe as champ. Look, Joe, uh, Joe, how good is Joe? Joe's so good. I mean, with everything he does, his promo work, his character work, his in-ring work, he understands his role. I mean, the guy is just a great pro wrestler. Yeah, it's just such a shame that he was just wasting away in TNA for so long. Yep. You know, because like this guy, like. Years. Five years ago, this guy in, in WWE or whatever, just oh, you, you, like, hell, you can even add it, you know, three years ago in NXT, how much of a difference he would have made yeah. to the main part of that roster. But all right, New Japan Super J Cup, and then we'll finish out with SummerSlam. Uh, we previewed this show a lot last week, so I don't think we have to get into super detail, but uh, we'll go over the card here a little bit. Uh, Eita Aoyagi and David Finley versus Garuk and Mask, Kaiji Tomato and Bushi in the opener. One of the matches I'm looking forward to most on this entire card. Should be a lot of fun. I mean, where, where, what other scenario do you get Garuk and Mask and Kaiji Tomato facing the, the spawn of, of Fit Finley? You, you, you know? can't get that anywhere except Fire Pro Wrestling. <laughs> right. right. And, and then Ata from Dragon Gate's there, there. You know what I mean? Like, it, that doesn't happen. Like, that's what a ne- weird team for, for uh, Bushi to be on. <laughs> right. Like, who is that? How does he know the AI uh, guys? Like, I feel like he's going to turn on those guys, right? Like, they're like. Just blow Mist. He's going to blow Mist at Kaiji Tomato for sure. Kaiji right? Tomato and Garuka Mask are like the world's biggest baby faces, and they've got Bushi team <laughs> right. with them. Like, I don't know. I don't know. These lovable baby faces. You can't, like. Poor, poor Kaiji Tomato. I feel like the poor kid will, you know, Bushi's going to spray to Mist and then, like. Oh, he's absolutely good. Kaiji Tomato's getting Mist. Stab him sure. in the chest with a dagger or something yeah. and kill him. I mean, I. I, I <laughs> 
you know what I mean? I I I, I feel like uh, that's a bad pairing. But yeah, that that should be a lot. They might not even Kaiju Swinum might not even get through his dance without Bushi spring misted him. You know what I mean? Like just telling him to focus on the damn match or whatever. Yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting opener for sure. But it's definitely the leftovers of the title of the tournament, of course. But yeah, it's it's fine. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, quarterfinal match number one: Jushin Thunder Liger versus Taiichi. Yeah, and then the winner faces, I think, uh, Kushida and Kano. Yes, it's 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 like I said. I think there's a lot of danger here in Taiichi advancing because they just did Liger versus Kushida. And I don't know yeah. if they're going to do that again. So unfortunately, you could be seeing Taiichi advance. Ugh, I know. I picked him. I think everybody, everybody but one person in our preview picked him too. It's yeah. Ugh. Uh, Kushida versus Kano. Uh, any chance Kano sneaks an upset here? Yeah, if Liger wins. I don't think they're doing Kano versus Taiichi. That'd be dangerous. I think I booked that. <laughs> just, just a, an odd pairing, but I think that's what I picked. But Kano Kushida is going to be a hell of a match. That's going to be great. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking that it's a nice little story too. If if Kano does beat him, and then you have a future title match for exactly. Kushida, not that he's, that's the thing. Not that he's short of things. So I, I actually do think Kano is going to win here, and I think it might be Kano to need, uh, Taichi, but we'll see. But I really do like Kano beating Kushida in this match. Just, it, Kushida moving on in the tournament does nothing for anybody. There's no value added by him doing that. Whereas this adds a bunch of value to a future match if Kano beats him. So I think that's definitely the right yeah, move. I, agree. I, hope that I, I I think the Liger Taichi match will tip it off though. Of tip off right. the winner of the Kushida Kano match, but yeah, it, it would be good. It could set up a title shot because now with this new Noah New Japan dynamic, you never know. We mm-hmm. can get these matches, so it's more of a possibility for sure. Absolutely. All right, quarterfinal three and four. So we got Taguchi versus Kanemura, and then Will Osprey versus Matt Seidel. So they'll face the winners of those two will face off against each other. Uh, Taguchi Kanemura, who do you have uh, advancing on from? Well, Osprey is not losing the Seidel. No chance. No. And you're not doing Osprey Taguchi again. And Kanemuro is the GHC Junior Champion, so I think it's pretty obvious to me that it's going to be Kanemuro Will Osprey. Kanemuro okay. could can lose if as long as he wins a match at some point. You know what I mean? You don't want to beat him. You know, he, he could lose to Osprey though. I don't think he could beat him in the first round as a champion. And you're not going to do Osprey Taguchi again. And Osprey is beating Seidel. So Osprey Kanemura will be your semifinal. I'm pretty. I'm. I'm 99% confident in that. Yeah, I could. I could see the Osprey Taguchi match happening again. Really? I really could. I mean, eh. yeah. I mean, that's what I picked. I mean, it's not the most enjoyable thing, and it's kind of boring in that sense. But yeah, I, but your Kanemura being the champion too is 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 a big deal as well. But Taguchi gets like this weird. I, they protect him more they do. Than, they do. Than, yeah. than anybody thinks they should, or they really should in, in a lot of ways. But they do. So I. I don't know. See. All right, so then we have the CML tag team. Titan, Caristico, and Velador Jr. versus Gran Guerrero, Euphoria, uh, Euphoria, and Ultimo Guerrero. That should be a lot of fun, you know? And they brought in big names for this, like we talked about last week. They didn't bring in six guys that work the middle of the card. You know what I mean? They brought in some big fucking guns here. Get Ultimo Guerrero here. Valador Jr., Caristico. So it should be a lot of fun. Can't wait. Yeah, we had uh, in our preview, all of us were just like, ah, we don't really know a whole lot about CML. So I have the Cubs fan who, who jumped in and I said, hey, what do you think of this match and who are you picking? Because we're a bunch of idiots uh, as far as the CML stuff. So he did a really good job with that. So you'll see that in our preview. That should be up uh, by the time most of you guys are listening to this show. All right, so my final match number one. So I have Kano and Taichi because I'm a weirdo. Uh, you have uh, what I think, uh, Taichi and Kushida? You talked me into Kano Liger. Okay. Who moves on from that, though? Um, Liger. 
Oh, you got Liger in the final. I'll send Liger to the final. Oh, I see what you're doing, yeah. and I like it. Yeah. And I like it a lot. Okay, all right. I see what you're doing, and I like it. All right. I have uh, Taichi and Kano, and now I've, I'm at this horrible point where I go, oh, God, who's going to win this? Because neither of these guys should move on to the final. Uh, so let's go with Kano winning that one. But that's that's weird, and I don't like it, and I feel weird now. Your your idea is, sounds so much better and probably will happen. So now I'm like, <laughs> damn it. What am I booking here? What I'm booking is garbage. So I found a match number two. Uh, I have Osprey and Taguchi. You have Kanemaru and Osprey. Yeah, and I think Osprey wins. I think it's all, I think it's all right if Kanemaru then loses his second match, even though he's a champion. All right. Oh, I have Osprey and Kano in the final. It's That's, not happening. You know what? It'd be a hell of a match, though. It'd be a hell of a match. It's not happening, though, right? Like, there's no way, so, right? You know where I'm going here. I think um, yeah. you, we'll just jump ahead. I mean, I, yeah, Beast God. I think it's Osprey. a good idea. Another solidifying win. Yeah, win. damn it. A big, That's so what they're going to do. That's so. I, that's perfect. Why did I? I didn't think of that. Well, you know, much like the twenty-three-year-olds in the in the leggings, Rich, I'm a hell of a guy. You know, I come up with these things. Yeah. <laughs> I I got good taste, my man. No versus Osprey. I hope that you know I'm I'm, I'm rooting for that match because it'll be awesome. But yeah, I don't think that's it's going to happen. So yeah, I like Osprey. I mean, Osprey winning the whole thing, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Which is pretty fucking strong. Or maybe Kanoda. No, you know, it's pretty strong to win best of Super Juniors and Super Jacob in the same year. But this is also yeah, a guy who's lost to Kushida twice. So you give him these big uh, reputations. Still can't get past that. Yeah, he can't get past that one spot yet. He, he can win these little titles. He can win his little trophies, but he cannot get past Kushida yet. And that's a cool story. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles, Katogi and Harada versus ACH and Taiji Ishimori. Um, Damn, I'm looking forward to this match. Yeah, I mean, did you did you watch any of the Noah Junior Tag League? Probably not. I have not called. I have not watched any of it. I've been so behind on because the G one and stuff. Uh, what, what have you watched? A I've bit watched a bit. Of, I've watched the yeah some of it. I'm gonna watch the rest. Um, I don't know fucking when. Who knows? There's no time <laughs> to ever watch anything. But um, ACH after he he botched the fucking Air Jordan on his first night in Corican, felt terrible for the guy. But the rest of the tour, he was outstanding, and he has good chemistry with Taiji Ishimori. And this is a fresh match for these titles. Kotoge and Harada could have a good match with anybody. They could roll out of bed and have a good match. This is going to be an excellent match. I think this is going to be awesome. I cannot wait for this match. And arguably my most anticipated match of the entire weekend, the Young Bucks versus the Motor City Machine Guns for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. I, I just... I, I love it. <laughs> like I love the Motor City Machine Guns and like the Bucks. I've 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 tired of them overall in New Japan just because the act's gotten a little tired and they kind of get lost in the shuffle with those multiple man IWG. But this is not, this is one on one. These two teams, you know, th- there's this is going to be a special match. The Bucks aren't going to fuck around in this match. You know what I mean? It feels so fresh. It does. Yeah, it's yes. like we haven't had a Bucks match that's been fresh in New Japan in like. Five even years, a you know junior I mean? tag title match that's been fresh right. in like five years in, in, since like 2014, you know, and it's like um, it just feels fresh, even though it's emo Alex Shelley. I mean, that guy needs a fucking that poor guy on Twitter. I mean, he's just so down yeah. on himself. Oh, you guys are looking forward to the match? Yes, we are yeah. looking forward to the match. Yeah, we're Why fucking we looking forward to it. You're that you guys fucking rule, and this is gonna be awesome, Alex. You're a hell of a wrestler. You need a self esteem injection, my friend. Um, but yeah, it, it, well, I didn't think you guys would care. We're back as a team. Like, yes, of course. I mean, he's I, look, I get it. He's humble and all that. And that's kind of always been his MO. He's just a humble guy. I don't think he realizes how good he is or how good that the fucking the machine guns are. 
So uh, yeah, it just should be. It just so, it feels so fresh, and I can't wait. And I hope the Motor City Machine Guns win. I'd like to see them in New Japan moving forward. Yeah. And nobody's booking Saban, so maybe that is the case. Maybe they will win, and they and freshen up that division a little. We say that, and then on destruction, they'll be in a four way. <laughs> <laughs> there'll just be another team to add to the mix yeah. of, of unnecessary teams all at once. Yeah, but uh, and then the finals we talked about. Uh, you booked what will probably happen, Liger and Osprey, and I booked some weird morphed Kano Osprey thing that is not going to happen. But anyway, let's move on to SummerSlam here as we uh, run out of time. But we have, we have enough time to How talk much about time SummerSlam. We got? Uh, about 20 minutes or so. Okay, so we, we got plenty, time. Plenty of time. I'll tell you what, I'm not as enthused with the build as I was two weeks ago because they've done Yeah, some- it looks – on paper, it's good. The build has been pretty terrible. because Finn WWE Balor TV stuff is- was fucking stupid. With the de- garbage. Absolutely give, garbage. Give away the demon on TV, number one. And then you just uh, – can we stop, say, stop saying Demon King? Stop. We heard you the first time. We heard he's you the, the first demon. nine times. How, how else will you know that he's the Demon King? How else will you drive it in? How else will you, you know, branding? That's the WWE motto, but they don't really understand that that doesn't And they've work, made but. me a match that I was so fucking hyped for two weeks ago, and they've made yeah. me disinterested. That's what this fucking company does. <laughs> it's the guys that don't when the best builds ever in this company guys like a Brock Lesnar are always the best builds because he's never around and then it's like good because right. they if, if they have their chance to have you together they will fuck it up we'll talk about another one Ambrose and Ziggler which I think is the opposite they've done a really great job with that right. one because it's felt different and it didn't feel like a like a, a forced branding experiment PowerPoint presentation that Balor and Rollins did I mean that, that we'll get to that but that was just an absolute train wreck of a segment uh, on Monday but uh, let's break down this card here real quick uh carmella this is just added carmella becky lynch and naomi versus natalia alexa bliss and <gasps> to be decided supposed to be even marie but she got into some problems so she will not be there half the roster got into some problems um <laughs> now i got a little exclusive you want to jump in now or yeah, i got, I a, mean, little, I got ta- a little exclusive on these drug right. test failures here's the word going around and i'm not gonna say who of the three people specifically, because I haven't get it, got it confirmed. And I don't want to get in trouble because we're talking about drug test failures. Uh, the word going around is at least one of the people who were popped, Eva Marie, uh, Paige, and Alberto Del Rio, were popped for a steroid called Anivar. That's the word going around among the professional wrestling community and the word that got around to me about 20 minutes before we started this podcast. So... If you want to look up Anavar and see what it does, and if you're, you know, if you're like a smart guy or girl, you can probably figure out who might, uh, who that rumor is going around regarding. But Anavar is the substance. That's the word going around. Again, I don't have that confirmed. That's what wrestlers are saying. People are whispering in terms of what at least one of these people failed for. But uh, yeah, three people go down with wellness violations in the span of 24 hours. So. Um, you know, not good, not good, not <laughs> no, good for the company, uh... and it ruined what really wasn't an important match at all. But um, you know, uh, they're gonna have to replace Eva Marie. Who did they throw in there? Probably Alicia Fox or something, right? Yeah, something like that. I know Nikki. Nikki uh, is 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 return or ready to come back to in ring action. Not so. a good spot for that. No, not a good spot at all for that. But we do get the uh, unnecessary overrating of Nikki Bell matches coming up again. And so it's a heel be... team, so it'll probably be Alicia Fox. Yeah, probably. It's a pre-show match, right? That's officially on the. 
Uh, I don't know that for a fact. I don't know if they've officially said what's on the pre-show it, yet, but yeah. It's if, one if, big fucking five-hour show or whatever, so it really does Yeah, so you got two-hour pre-show and then a four-hour SummerSlam, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, many of these matches will find their way onto the pre-show, and that was one that probably will as well. So, all right, so we'll move on to uh, Cesaro and Sheamus, the first in a best-of-seven series between these two men. <laughs> Look, I like these guys, and they have great matches <laughs> against each other, but do you feel like these matches are going to blend together a little? I feel like they might. Joe, I, do you think the series might go to seven? That's or do you I think was. Cesaro's going to wrap it up in five? That's my usual complaint that it's like there's no drama until the seventh match. You know what I mean? Like that always bothers me. But look, I like both of these guys, and I think they're going to have a bunch of great matches. I'm afraid that they're going to start to blend together. We'll see. I, I should. We should probably be more optimistic about this. Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun, and it gives them a little something to do, and it's 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 always – it's a simple thing to book, and you know, it, it works. Blow it well. You know what's going to happen? Sheamus is going to win the first three. <laughs> Cesaro's going to come up. Damn it, you're right. We we What was the last one that this happened? And we we went on this podcast, and we said, this should be good, and then two weeks later, we went, oh, god damn yeah, it, they're doing the this. heel won, like, the, it was a best of five, and the heel won the first two, and the babyface won the next. What was that? Because that's know, WWE, you know? because then the uh, commentators can scream about how Cesaro can never come back when we all know he's coming back. He's winning, seems to win the first three. I don't remember what it was, though. Yeah, there was one. I remember us having this exact conversation. We'll figure it out before next week. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, move on now. The Miz versus Apollo Crews for the IC title. Does this have any juice for you? Because it, it has negative for it, me. I forgot this was even a match on the It card. has juice for me because it's the biggest match of Apollo Crews' career, and I always like that spot to see how guys respond. How do you think he's going to respond? I think he's going to uh, put in a very good performance. Yeah, I, know we're, I know we're running out of time. I'm trying to be... Yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not as ambitious. It's like the, as you. It's like the third biggest pro wrestling show of the year, and we're blowing through it because we were busy talking about uh, Bullet Club Hunters earlier. <laughs> it was well worth it. Enzo Amore and Big Cass versus Jericho and Kevin Owens. I've loved the build of this, and I'm very much looking I forward agree. to this. I agree. The build has been tr- tremendous. I think the heels have done a great job. They have great chemistry. Jericho and Kevin Owens have great chemistry together, playing off of each other. So I don't know how much, you know, what kind of a match it's going to be, but that's, you know, it, it should be fun though. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, tag team titles, uh, the New Day defending their titles against Gallows and Anderson. Uh, a little annoyed that the build has been about, like, you know, Big E's balls and Gallows and Anderson are basically just a comedy tag team or whatever. But at its core, I'm still kind of looking forward to this. But, yeah, a lot less than I thought I would be if you just showed me these two teams on a piece of paper uh, versus what the build's kind of been. I, I you know, I, I just, I'm disappointed that Gallows and Anderson are just that now. But I kind of knew that was going to happen, right? Yeah, I it, it's Doc Gallows because you know he's wearing a doctor's coat. Get it? Yeah, Elbow to the ribs. That was really yeah. That was that was Vince really loved that one. You could tell. I think that, uh, I think the club wins here. Oh, wins oh, wins the titles. Okay, yeah, I think it's time. Yeah, I think. It's- so you think like that, that without Big E, then that you can play the story yeah, of Xavier exactly. being the, the the weaker link of it or whatever. Yep. So okay, yep, I can see that. Yeah, because you know it, it's just you need something different. You need to change up that tag title mix a little bit. Yeah, I think they win. I like the new day, but yeah, you got to move on a little bit here. Uh, match I really have been enjoying the build for as well. Women's championship. Sasha Banks, the t- uh, champion, defending against the former champion, Charlotte. And oh, by the way, Joe, Dana Brooke is banned from ringside, so she will not be there under any condition. <laughs> so in other words, she's going to come running down the ramp with about three minutes left <laughs> right. in the match. Um, that's going to ruin. Banned from ringside, Joe. And that's going to ruin the match. Um, this has. I wish they would just let these two go out there and wrestle. But by telling you Dana Brooke won't be there, it means that she will be. Um, 
this is a big spot for Char- for Sasha Banks. Um, you know, we all know she has great matches in her. She's been wrestling a lot better now, now that she's been put into programs that matter. That's uh, my motivation theory there for you once again. It's just a shame that this match, which has the potential to be really great on a show where they have plenty of time to give them time, will probably be ruined by another Vince McMahon bullshit finish. So yeah, we'll yeah, and, and and the Sasha thing, I think it's a really good point that you just made there. But yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Like you can tell that she just seems like she's more comfortable now. Something just happened. She's she's re- and like you're saying, the motivation is always a big thing. She was not in meaningless tags. Like there's a clear identity. There's a clear idea of what she's going to do and where she's going and and what's going. And like yeah, how do you not get motivated by that? How do you not work better when you're comfortable and motivated? Like you know what I mean? Like they're they're human beings. Like. Yep. Are you? You're better in your job when you're comfortable and motivated. Like the end. Like it's yes. Perfect. All right. I'll move on to. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I lost my train. Okay, there we go. U.S. title match. Rusev the champion defending against Roman Reigns. Yeah, and again, this is where they annoyed me with the Raw because why? Why? I don't understand. Why, why did they, they give that? this away? Why did they, I don't know? I, I, you know, it's. Like, I'm waiting for someone to defend it. Have you heard anybody actually defend no, it? No, it was. And then Roman wins clean. He breaks the accolade and wins clean. What do you do on the pay-per-view now? Don't you save that for SummerSlam? Have Roman break the accolade and beat him clean at SummerSlam. Why did they do the SummerSlam match on Raw? All this means now is now we're getting the screw job on SummerSlam. Now Rusev does something underhanded to keep his time. I mean, what the fuck? That's reverse. You should have done that on Raw. I'm watching the Raw match going, why are they doing this match? And then I'm thinking, all right, well, Rusev will fucking screw him and it'll put some heat on the match. You know what I mean? And then Roman breaks the accolade and wins the match. What the fuck is happening here? Am I in some kind of bizarro world where people know how to book wrestling? What is happening here? I didn't, I didn't get that. I, I, and I haven't – I have yet to see anybody defend it, so I'll, I guess we'll wait and see. Um... And it hurt my excitement for this now. Just like yeah, it really did. Yeah, that was a match I was looking forward to, and I, I actually really liked the build to an yeah. extent too. But yeah, that that ended it, and then Re- Reigns had just a terrible promo backstage too, where he just spouted out a bunch of cliches, and then Rusev just beat it. Yeah, the whole the raw build, raw was terrible here, this week. Here, it did here a was, terrible here was job. Your build for this match. Here's two really tough guys that are going to fight for this title. Here's what it turned into: throwing each other into wedding cakes and giving away the match for free. Yeah, it's. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how you ruin a match. I don't get it. I don't. I just. I, how do you sit in that room and go, yeah, that, let's do that. Let's have those guys go up right now. No one in that room says this. Why are we doing the match we should be having on Sunday on Monday? No one said that. No one got up and said that. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. <laughs> I don't. But here's a ma- Here's a couple matches that have been built well, though. Yes. Yeah. The rest of this. Uh, very much looking forward to a- uh, John Cena, AJ Styles. Cannot wait. Those guys rule. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome build. Uh, They're going to have a great match. Cannot fucking wait. This is now my most anticipated match on the show. I don't know that it was a couple weeks ago, but now it is. Uh, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler loved, loved, loved what they did on SmackDown. Ziggler just showing that raw emotion that we love from him and Ambrose doing a good job too. But I think Ziggler's been the star of this build and I'm really looking forward to this match. I don't think he's going to win, but Ziggler's been great. And it's like, again, the motivation thing. When you give Dolph Ziggler something to do, it's like, oh my God, this guy's actually great. Like, of course he is. We know he's great, but he just doesn't get anything to do that ever makes him want to let this out. But this has been great, and I loved what they did on SmackDown with them. Just a, a, a kind of a role reversal of the contract signing, you know, in-ring discussion thing that they do for the build. Just, it, you know, it, was, it, it ended similar to those, but I thought the build to it was so much more different. So I, I, I loved it. 
Really, really enjoyed it. Ziggler's that. been awesome. His promos have been incredible. I love a fired up Ziggler promo. I just do. Uh, Dean has been great too. He hasn't been a rodeo clown. He's been a serious, uh, legitimate champion. Who it's a serious builder, which is I like. Yep. Yeah, there's no cake in this one. It's like, and and you would think this one would be kind of silly, but it's not. It's been very you know basic. No cake. Yeah. I love it. That's a new voice of the wrestling catchphrase. No cake. <laughs> a no cake build. That's a thing now. We're making that a thing, Rich. And you're okay. right. This is a no cake build, and I love that. No fucking cake needed. Serious build, <laughs> and I'm pumped up. And now I'm rooting for Dolph Ziggler. I know he can't win. But he won me over with his promos. I'd like to see him win. And the best part too is, you know, what what, what what's Stahl's motivation? I, I want to win the title. The end. Like that's it. Like you don't need anything else. I want to win the title, and then yeah, I've been I've been undersold, and then people haven't given me attention, and I want to win the title. Boom. The end. Done. Uh, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins again. Raw just did a horrible job of this build, which was sucking the interest just, out of this. Yeah, it really did, and it made Finn Balor just immediately just the biggest geek How on the gr- entire. They, they for three weeks they did such a great job with Finn Balor, and then fucking Raw just sucks it all away. This is not a no cake build. There was a lot of fucking cake in this build in the final fucking week, and they just totally pissed away all the great work they did with Finn Balor. So <laughs> like, how do you do that? There's nothing. To, just don't have him be the. Okay, my build I would put on a on the giant whiteboard is does not come out as demon until pay per view. That is the only thing I would put on the whiteboard, yeah. and they couldn't do it. Or better yet, he loses to Rollins and doesn't come out as demon till another match down the line. Yeah, he needs to use that, but no. Yeah. Or Rollins uses some underhanded tactic to beat him, angers Balor, and that brings the demon out of him in the rematch. What they did was the worst thing possible. I think they thought SummerSlam was on Monday. <laughs> it's a good theory that Vince. It, it's possible that Vince uh, did think that. I, I don't know. Was he there? Was, did he miss that week too? Was he busy selling off all of his stocks again? You know, honestly, I think what the thought process was is our fans don't know what the demon is. <laughs> right, exactly. How would they know about the demon? We'll show them on Monday. You know that, that I think that was probably the true thought. You're not wrong. That's Vince. Every fan is the dumbest person in the fucking world, and we can't possibly just show a video of what the thing is. Yeah. So we got to put it out in the open, and we have to call him the Demon King, so you know that he's a demon. We can't need to have any king, yeah. air of mystery whatsoever, <laughs> even for the people who don't know what it is, because there's a fair amount. Of, look, only how many people own the network? One point seven. Discovery million. is cool too. Like exactly. I don't know why he doesn't understand that discovering a new thing is very interesting, and people enjoy that. Roughly half of the raw audience doesn't own the network in fear like just doing math i don't want mookie coming at me brandon <laughs> howard but like one point how many people own the network like 1.7 million that's how many there, people yeah. watch raw like a little over 3 million or something like that so you can say that like maybe half the audience doesn't watch the network and doesn't but let those people discover it like you just said <laughs> let them intrigue them and fucking hook them and maybe they'll say wow i gotta buy this network because what the fuck is this demon shit you might actually make some fucking money God, can't fucking take Rock. it. <laughs> Two weeks ago, this is you were the, you were the most anticipated WWE show in yeah, years. Yeah, give now. them time to fuck something up. <laughs> and they've if really done give it. this company time to fuck something up. They will. Yeah, if, if the build had ended two weeks ago, it would have been your most anticipated show ever. And now it's just. Shitting all over it. Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton. This one, thankfully, Brock Lesnar isn't there all the time, so they haven't been able to fuck this up. Because I'm still excited about this, and I'm still into the build. And I'm really looking forward to this match the Bro- as a possible main event. Brock segment with uh, uh, Heath Slater was fantastic. Yes, tremendous television. Um, 
Brock says, I don't give a shit about your kids. Tremendous line. Memorable moment. I'm, I'm excited for this. I think Randy Orton, along with Cody Rhodes and Timothy Thatcher, I am saying this. Timothy Thatcher, Cody Rhodes, and Randy Orton are my three most anticipated this, pieces this of talent. Is odd, yeah. this <laughs> because I think all three of them have very intriguing weekends ahead of them. I think Randy Orton, um, you know, coming back from the injury, working with a guy like Brock Lesnar, who always has unique matches. This is a very interesting spot for Randy Orton. I want to see how this match comes off. So uh, I am still looking forward to this match. What goes on last? This goes on last? I would have to assume this goes on last. Yeah. Because um, you don't want to make. Which is weird because you've got two world title matches. But yeah. You I, don't want to make one look more important than the other. That's where I'm thinking they might just do that because yeah they don't want that one so yeah I'm I, I I'm going with th- th- this being the last one guy one, from so Raw the- one guy from SmackDown yeah I just think it works yeah I, I think it works a little bit it's better fair, as the main event you know because yeah if you have the Universal be the main event and the world kind of seems like lesser or whatever I, I, I like na- this actually going to think because of Raw SmackDown dynamic anyway so you might not want to do that which is why I think that the Finn Seth match will go on um, before the Dean Ziggler match, or at least they should do that um, because I think you have some work to do in, in the prestige between Raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who knows? But I, I do think the Brock match should go on last. I agree. All right, so that's our preview of SummerSlam and the entire weekend and the G1 and all that good stuff. We are running out of time, so I will just let you know that, again, this episode was sponsored by Lyft. Go to lyft.com slash bonus. Select Voices of Wrestling from the drop-down menu, and if you sign up to drive for Lyft, you get a $500 bonus. You help us out, and, yeah, you start making some money on the side. Also, Casper Mattress, a 100-day risk-free trial of any of their mattresses. Go to casper.com slash VOW. Use our promo code VOW. You get $50 off your next purchase. And, again, you get 100 nights for free. No questions asked. If you don't like it, they will pick it up. They will return it. No questions asked for free. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.